Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Crimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Happy Taco Tuesday to you if you're tuned in on the old uh, Airlines team studio cam. You can just go to YouTube and go to 101 ESPN STL. Please subscribe to us. I think that's our goal here with the uh, studio cam is to get more subscribers on the YouTube. So we're going to just ask you for uh, your subscription to our YouTube channel. Don't cost nothing. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. Good. How about yeah. you? I'm doing well. I, I'm, I'm wearing my Mizzou gear. Carrie, you aren't wearing your Mizzou gear. Uh, no, I don't, I don't. I only own one Mizzou shirt. It okay. says Mizzou dad. Uh, okay. I've only worn it one time. Mm-hmm. And uh when my daughter graduates, it'll say Mizzou Dad Grad or something like that. I'll just put Grad on. I won't. I don't need a an entirely new shirt per se. I, I can just add Grad to that one. And go about our business. Yeah. Get, get some letters that right yeah. love you. Yeah. 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 Get the letters that the what was it? What team was it in the oh, World Baseball that had the letters? Yes. It was a Great Britain. Yeah. Great yes. Britain. Yeah. yeah. Get those letters. Just yeah. hanging yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. Yeah. So uh, I know that we're all going to be on December 29th. That we're all going to be posted up rooting for the Tigers. M I Z, crickets, crickets, crickets. Oh yeah, against Ohio State. Uh Are we all going to be rooting? Big Ten versus SEC. Yes, I don't know that we're all going to be rooting. Well, you're telling me that you, a graduate of Illinois, the man who complained about the greatest jobbing in your personal sports life being against the Ohio State Buckeyes, and you're going to root for them? I am not. I I, I'm a Big Ten guy. Don't. Do this. I will do that. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Right. Right. Who, 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 who do you think I'm rooting for in Michigan and Alabama? Your blood curdle in every other scenario. Who do you think yeah. I'm rooting for in Michigan, Alabama? Unbelievable. Nah, who do yeah. you think? How do you not hate them enough that it overrides yeah. everything? I do. Uh, Brooke, but, as we can tell him, though. Yeah. I don't hate them uh, more than I hate the SEC. Well, <laughs> she grew up a Tennessee fan. I grew up a Mizzou fan. And we're, we're aware. And especially because of my uh, proximity to Illinois, Indiana. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, watching them over the years on TV. Uh, in the SEC, it just it means more. Oh, goodness yes. Goodness. Randy, goodness I said gracious. that so many times yesterday, and CD didn't appreciate it for some know. reason. I don't know. But the committee said the same thing too, CD. Clearly. Yeah, that, that don't make it right. And you know, I was thinking about the politics associated with uh, what took place over the weekend is just damn ridiculous. Yeah, it is. The, the SEC, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get the SEC in that. Maybe the SEC is good, but SEC oh. is like any other conference. You got a couple of good teams, and then everybody else is everybody else. Here's the thing. You know why this all occurred? And I haven't read this, but I remember this vividly. The reason that we have the four-team playoff is that in 2004, we had the BCS, and we had three unbeaten Power Five conference champions. And Oklahoma played USC for the championship, and Auburn was on the outside looking in, and everybody said, oh, my God, we've got an unbeaten Power 5 champion. We need to make sure that this never happens again. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. And it's like that committee completely forgot the reason that they have the college football playoff. It's ridiculous. Uh, Let's start with the Blues. 
Bluther. Yes. What's the old line? If you want to be the best, you gotta. If you want to be the man, you gotta so, beat the man. Yeah. So the yeah. Blues are the Stanley Cup champions again. I'm glad to tell no. you Whoa. this morning. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, <laughs> yep. Last night they played the Stanley Cup champion <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights. This is a weird Blues team. I'll tell you, they're they're weird. Uh, 1939 into the game. Uh, Kerry's guy put the Blues on the board. Torachenko to the corner looking for the trailer. Sunquist to Letty. Right point, Pareko. And a shot gets blocked to the near wing. Fired on by Torachenko. Logan Thompson is saved. Pareko again with a shot. He scores! That puck might have been tipped in front by Torachenko on a wrist shot from Pareko. And the St. Louis Blues with 20 seconds to go in the first. Take a one nothing lead. Torbchenko does get it from Pareko and Sunquist. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what happens when you shoot the puck and you stand in front of the net. Yeah. Good things happen. Mm-hmm. You, you stand in front of the net, and sometimes pucks bounce off of you into the into the goal. It's it's amazing. This team, what I saw, it's infuriating, if I'm going to be honest. Because you see the effort, the energy. The third and fourth lines, for me, were, were getting after it. I loved it. I, I love how they, they, they just forecheck and get after the, the opposing team. You see this ability. Why can't you see it every night? And I think that's, that's the million-dollar question. If you see this every night, this team could be a really, mm-hmm. really good team. That's the problem for me is the fact that I know you can do it. That means you got to go do it again. And and if you don't, that's the part that I think leaves Blues fans just scratching their head every single night. I'll get to my theory on this in a moment, but we got to tell you that Jack Eichel scored at 12:58 of the third to tie the game at one. That was on the power play, so the game went to overtime, and in overtime, the Blues' most gifted player won it. Butchnevich is going to take it over the line. Blues will make the change. Butchnevich sends it back to Robert Thomas at the blue line. Stick handles through some trouble, gets it to Butchnevich. He scores! Bring out the Zamboni! An overtime game winner for Butchnevich. And the Blues defeat the Knights 2-1. to one. Pareko with one of the assists and with the primary, our guy, Robert Thomas. Yeah, um, you know, he's a good player. Um, thought his pass was going to be a little bit flatter for me. Um, but, I mean, made a good move, got the goalie off his post and was able to kind of slide it in on that short side. So, um, you know, big goal and a big win for us. It was a big win, and as the, as we speak, and I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna keep doing this because just it, it happens. The Blues are in the second wild card spot right now in the Western Conference, 27 points, one behind Arizona. Okay, here's my th- theory. I think the Blues players general, generally are like us; they're fans, and so they play a team like Arizona, who historically have not been that great, and they say. Oh, that's a game we should win. And then I think they take the ice with that thought process, mm. right? We think that. We think, oh, should beat Arizona. But then Arizona beats them 4-1. to one. Then they kind of get desperate and say, uh-oh, well, Vegas is a team that's better than us. We better play really hard so we can stay in this game. And they play really hard against a team like Vegas. And it, it's unbelievable how this team plays to the level of their competition on a consistent basis. And they just need to figure out a way to build more consistency where mm-hmm. you can finally get more of those winning streaks. But honestly, to the point of where you're talking about where they are right now when it comes to wild card, I mean, with what they're doing right now, it's not exactly a terrible thing when it comes to it's not affecting them that much. But I think we would all just like to see that consistency where they could at least build a stretch of games, a stretch of wins in a row. But there were so many encouraging things from last night. One, Colton Pareko, the fact that he was really able to shut down that top Eichel line Mm -hmm. was so impressive. I think he had almost 26 minutes or near that, if not more. And his presence was seen and heard. And then also on top of that, we had 
curbs on yesterday, and he talked about that the goaltenders, he said goaltenders needed to be better. And Jordan Biddington, that was 2019-S. Sometimes I don't think it's fair to do that comparison of just like, okay, we're going to keep comparing your best every single mm-hmm. time. But that was very 2019-esque of Jordan Bennington. That was one of his best games. I feel like maybe this season and probably even in recent years. I mean, 20 high-danger chances, and he stopped all but one of them. He was the main reason. I would say maybe like 95% the reason why they were able to come away with an overtime winner. Yeah, against a really highly skilled team. Blues out shot 34-27. And Brooke, to your point, Pareko, against... I don't think it's even arguable. I think they're the the Knights are the best team in the league. And to shut down that level of talent on that top line, Pareko playing 25-56, it's a pretty good night for him. That was a really good night for the Blues. And you said, you, you, Curbs talked about it, you hit the nail on the head, just the, the goaltending. Bennington was locked in, dialed in from from the from the moment moment the puck mm-hmm. dropped, and mm-hmm. you could tell. It's almost like he listened to our show yesterday. Like he, <laughs> he heard said, "Oh, I'm going to take that." Talking <laughs> yeah. about how poor the goalies had been playing, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to go out there and show. And he played extremely well. And the Blues team, they played well. And uh, again, this is the the part where you scratch your head because they get to play this team again tomorrow. And if they show up in the manner in which they did yes, uh, yesterday, last night, you know, okay, this this mm-hmm. team can be can be really good but if they show up lackluster you know drained missing and 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 just not present you're going to wonder what the heck is wrong with this team and that has been the roller coaster that we have been on all season long vegas tomorrow night and then on the road against columbus and chicago on friday and saturday meanwhile monday night football Bengals over the Jags 34-31 in overtime. The big story of this game is that it looks like uh, Trevor Lawrence has a high ankle sprain. It looked like a broken ankle at first when he got hit late in the fourth quarter. And the Bengals win at 34-31. Jake Browning, their quarterback, 32 of 37, 354, a touchdown and, and no interceptions. And he's... I love the way coaches are finally figuring things out. Now, you have to build talent, right? But... Brock Purdy walks into the 49ers and they say, just get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. You don't have to do an awful lot. I think for the first 15 throws that Jake Browning had last night, they averaged something like four yards in the air. Get the ball into your in the hands of your playmakers and let them make plays. Browning goes, uh, as we mentioned, 32-37, 354, a touchdown, no interception. This is something that Mike March did very well early on with Kurt Warner, and then he let Kurt rip with the bombs later on. But Browning is a guy that they aren't going to win because of, the, but I think they can win with. The, the amazing thing, the hardest thing to get a quarterback, a young quarterback, a new quarterback to understand is, you know, if you throw that ball at the line of scrimmage and he runs it 80 yards, it still says an 80-yard mm-hmm. touchdown. Yeah. It doesn't have to go 75 mm-hmm. yards in the air for it to be an 80-yard touchdown. You can th- literally throw the ball on the line to, down the line of scrimmage and he takes off mm-hmm. and makes plays. That's what you want to do. Get your best players the football quickly. Jamar Chase is one of those guys. 11 catches, 148, 149 yards, and one touchdown. Get him the ball early and often. They also ran the ball really well last night, which is something that they have not decided to do all season long. Chase Brown, former Illini ILL, mm-hmm. had a really good game, as well as Joe Mixon. They went over 100 yards total uh, for that game. So that's that's the recipe for them to be successful. Get the ball to Jamar Chase. Run the ball effectively. You would like them to play a little bit better defense. Giving up 31 points is uh, is going to cost you in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But they were able to get the field goal at late there and, and win the game. As a Jamar Chase fantasy owner, I also really <laughs> like that idea. Did you get, come back and win last night? No. No, because... You, who are you playing? Um, I was playing you. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I, you had you had a very good uh, lineup this week. I thought week. I put it away, uh, and I, I didn't even think about the fact that you could have threatened me last night. So <laughs> I, I really didn't, because I had uh, DK Metcalf on Thursday, yeah. and then I had uh, Debo go crazy on Sunday, and I thought, oh, I'm good. And uh, you had a good week, Brooke. You, I did, uh, but then you had an even to, better week. Yeah, 141 to 127. We had a good game. I got I to gotta tell you guys, it's really a two-team race here. Yeah, okay. It's uh, two teams at the top. I, I don't know. Who I'm knows. rooting for you, man. I appreciate it. T-Bone <laughs> Crushers and some team named CDs TDs. I don't know go. who that could uh, be. Yep, yep, yep. It's two teams. Yeah, Kyler's film room needs a little, <laughs> little work. Uh, the baseball winter meetings are going on. I walked into the office today on MLB Network, and they've got this massive bulletin on bottom third. Uh, source, Brewers sign... Uh, I think it was John Gray. No, it wasn't John Gray. Who was it? John somebody. Uh, anyway, hadn't pitched in Major League Baseball since 2021. That was the big news out of the winter meetings yesterday. This has been, uh, I think everybody was ho- hoping for a hot stove, but it has been ice cold so far. Maybe things will heat up here soon, but it really doesn't feel like it, that you're not getting much other than I felt like the big story coming out, if it was a big story, but it was very obvious, John Mosellock saying that they're looking at trading Tyler O'Neill, that that's something that they are mm-hmm. interested in doing. And I think everybody here in St. Louis said, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have guessed that. How about Charlie Marmol did? Yeah, that's uh, that, that felt like very obvious, but, you know, he's putting it out there. So that was about the most interesting thing that I noticed yesterday. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we all knew that at some point. I think everybody. <laughs> I think Tyler knew that, yeah, too. I think that was kind of a conversation. Uh, are you all intrigued by what they said, the reason that, that there aren't enough at-bats potentially with Edmund Walker, Newt, and Carlson? Did, is Carlson a name that you expect to be here or expected to be here? I, w- I would think so, simply because you have so many – Cardinals historically have a lot of injury issues. You know, sometimes they have guys have bad. How about when do? How long that's yeah, about a week back? Oh there. no, we somebody needs. Okay, somebody down in Nashville needs to ask John Mosellock about if this is going to be addressed. So that needs to be question number one today. Mm-hmm. Are we going to the back Asking that question, but here's here's my thought process with Dylan Carlson. I think there's it's probably twofold, and I, one of the things that happens. <laughs> Brooke is looking into her camera. One of, one of the things that happens. Teams find out about their players when they put them on the market and find out the interest that other teams have in their players. My guess is that maybe around the trade deadline, everybody wanted Dylan Carlson, or maybe the Cardinals mm-hmm. took a step back and said, oh, maybe he is more talented than we thought he was. Because remember, he was a cold, dead hands guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. maybe they they determined, okay, maybe this is just a product of injury and our uh misdeeds in not maximizing him, maybe we need to do a better job of taking a look at this guy's talent because he is very talented and people around baseball continue to say it. But he also has to stay healthy, yeah. right? He had yeah. the, the hand, was it hand or wrist a few wrist, years yeah. ago? A mm-hmm. few years ago. And then last year, he, again, spraining your ankle running out of the batter's box still bewilders me. I don't understand mm-hmm. how that happens and how you end up having to have surgery behind mm-hmm. it. But it, it, it those you have to stay healthy. And I think he had another injury during the year as well. Might have was it his back as well? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. So <laughs> you 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 have to stay healthy if you are mm-hmm. a guy that is talented and have the ability to play. You know, at a high level, no one knows or really no one cares if you can't stay healthy. And I think the Cardinals need to call Atlanta. 
Because Atlanta had, as we've mentioned numerous times, they had eight guys that played 130 or more games. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, the other position was their catchers. Yes. And they, they split time to good catchers in uh, Murphy and Darno. And it was like 112 and, and 60 or something like that that they played in. So maybe what the Cardinals need to do is find a way to get their guys to stay healthy. Maybe it's not on the guys as much as it is the organization to maximize them. Yeah, there's many other organizations. I know that we're going to dive into this more, but I think that just reading the tea leaves of what Mosellock said yesterday, there is a plan. And one thing that CD that I think you'll find very encouraging is that they're going to give defined roles to these players moving forward because the defensive miscues that you saw last season, all of the, the carousel that we saw in the outfield, I think that Mosaic at least was hinting towards that's not going to happen again this season. Oh. Hopefully, barring health, of course, is a big part of that. Because when you had the starting pitching struggle like it did last season, plus you had all of the defensive guys coming in and out, different positions moving around, that I felt also added to the issues they yeah. had. And they realized they can't do that again this season. So I thought that that was something that was interesting. I know we'll talk about here a little so, bit more. No infielders in the outfield. Yep. And Man. one other quick note for you. The Four finalists for the Heisman Trophy, which will be awarded on Saturday. Uh, LSU's Jaden Daniels, Oregon's Bo Nix, Washington's Michael Penix Jr., and Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State. My guess is that somebody somewhere may have given a vote to Cody Schrader. My guess is that Cody will at least have received a vote in the Heisman Trophy ballot. At least a vote. By the way, he did win the Burlesworth Trophy last mm-hmm. night. Yeah. So, so congratulations, congratulations to, uh, for that. To, to Cody Schrader. Coming up... John Mosaic has started the winter meetings and spoke to the media yesterday. We'll hear what he had to say next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. In the outfield right now, if we were to play tomorrow, it'd likely be Newt, Tommy Edmond, and Walker. And so, you know, our fourth outfielder would be Dylan Carlson. But obviously, we can, we're going to go into camp. We're going to see what that looks like. Tyler O'Neill is somebody that, that we are listening to on trades. Getting a lot of hits on our outfielders. And, you know, we're just going to see where that, what that does for us. But, you know, overall, we like our everyday club. So we're not really in a market to try to do much there other than see what we might be able to get for some, one of those players. That's the Cardinals' Pobo, John Mozeliak, down in Nashville at baseball's winter meetings. And I think it's safe to say that Tyler O'Neill will not be a member of the 2024 Cardinals. What gave you that indication? <laughs> was it was it Ollie's? Co- well, first, <laughs> should we start even sooner? Should it be the kerfuffle that we had between yeah. Ollie and Tyler O'Neill? Or was it the comments at the end of the season where Ollie said, what was it that he said again? He said, um, we got to yeah. weed out some yeah, guys. Those people that only concern themselves with themselves or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Mm-hmm. And then you All pair right. it with this. Yeah. yeah, I think he's not going to be here. Yeah, yeah, I think we. That's the way it goes. I think we saw that early in the season. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised again that he he made it through the trade deadline. I thought that, you know, he he had started playing well, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the perfect time to move on from him. But I think they kind of bought into the fool's gold and believed that he was going to stay healthy, and so you know, you kind of went down that road again, and unfortunately, went back to what it was normally. And here we are. For me. You know, Tommy Edmond in center field, I, I, I thought he played outstanding. Who, who's going to be your second baseman? It's got to be Donovan. It's Donovan. No doubt. And it, then when's when is he able short? to, when is he, is he going to be ready to go by spring training? He should be able to pass a physical mm-hmm. by the first of the year. Okay. Well, yeah. hopefully we, we are, he's your everyday second baseman. Tommy Edmond's yep. your everyday center fielder. Yep. And they're going to play 130 games there. Hope so. 
a piece at, e- at each spot. Hope so. Respectively. Okay. That's, yeah. That is the hope, and I think that's what Mosaic is wanting. I think that what is interesting is, okay, Tommy Edmond is going to be your center fielder. You just mentioned that Brennan Donovan is going to be your second baseman, and then Mason Wynn is going to be your shortstop. But mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of things in line where if Wynn doesn't progress and then the way that they want him to do hitting-wise, then you have that ability to have Tommy Edmond be your shortstop again, maybe, especially if Wynn isn't making that progression that they are looking for quickly. And then you can have Dylan Carlson as your fourth outfielder who is a great center fielder, and hopefully he will be healthy. Now, I say all this because there's a lot of hopefullys involved with this, right? Everything kind of has to go according to plan for it to all work out. We saw how quickly that can dissipate based on what we saw this past season. But I do think that Mason Wynn is very, very talented. I know that some people weren't as high on him because his offensive numbers, as we saw last season, I think he had like a 172 average. We saw that he struggled at the plate, but I think that he's very talented, and you just hope that he can continue to grow as a hitter. And while he didn't perform well once he got here, uh, he did have a very good year down at Memphis, uh, hit 288 with an 833 OPS, 18 homers, 61 RBIs, and stole 17 bases. So uh, his entire minor league career would lead you to believe uh, that he's going to be a good offensive player. And scouts say that the talent is definitely there. So John Mozeliak, in terms of putting this team together, where are the Cardinals right now? Well, expectations are high. Um, yeah. You don't go and do what we just did hoping to just get back to 80 wins. I mean, our expectations are to, to put a real team out there that, that not only will compete for our division, but hopefully play into October. But I think when you look at our club overall, especially from a roster standpoint, we have great balance. Um, obviously, a Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker, these guys are only 22 years old. Yeah. And then you couple that with a, a, a Goldie and an Arnado, we really do feel like we have great balance. And so obviously we're gonna have to have someone step up, someone emerge to be the next superstar, but you know we have a lot of confidence in our everyday lineup. Uh, and they should. They should have confidence in their everyday lineup. It's just a matter of now having those guys perform up to the expectations that the organization has for those guys. I, I noticed that you perked up when he said 80 wins, right? Yeah, because that was, that? My, that, that was my thing. I said if, if, if you're building a team to get back to 500 and spending that much money, a record amount of money for the Cardinals just to get back to 500, then it's a waste of money. Right? Yeah. If you don't, you're, you're, 81 and 81 doesn't get you to the playoffs. So <laughs> if it's not going to work, then it is theoretically a waste of money. Well, yeah. And the fact that I, what I took away from that is he said not only win the division, but have, a, have an opportunity to go on in October. Mm-hmm. That to me stood out because what I've heard over the last, you know, in recent memory is, oh, we, we want to win the division. Like, that's mm-hmm. the end-all, be-all. We just need to win the division. No, 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 no. You want to win the division. You want to compete in the, the the division. But you also want to have a team that can sustain that and be better than other divisions when playoff time comes. Not just beating the Cubs or the Reds or the or the Brewers. That That's good. The Pirates, that's wonderful. But can you beat the Dodgers? Can you beat the Braves? Can you make it? Can you beat the Phillies? Can you make it to the to the World Series by beating these other teams? And and the the roster that you put together or the team that you put together last year obviously wasn't going to win in this division, but would definitely would definitely not going to win against the Braves or the or the or the Dodgers or, or some of those other better teams. So finding a way to put a team together, pitching, hitting, 
and collectively that can win in the division and beat some of those great teams. And one of the things the Cardinals did last year is they put too much stress on their bullpen, and that caused the Cardinals to have an extraordinarily high number of blown saves. Well, now Mosellock has the only staff in baseball with four starters that threw 180 innings last year. It really was. Um, you think back to uh, 2023, we've unpacked in 100 different ways. We know it didn't go well. Um, you know, we tried to figure out where we could improve, and rotation was something that was really glaring to us. And so when we were looking at the market, trade market, free agent market, we really identified guys that understood what it was like to go pole to pole, understood what it's like to take the ball. And really, from a cultural standpoint, all three of these guys, um, I think, will be a great asset in our clubhouse. Obviously, talking about Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, adding them to Miles Michaelis, who threw the 180 innings last year, too. Yeah, and that's why this is so important defensively that they really establish these roles because Michaelis and Lynn are very fly ball heavy. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to make sure that everything is pretty much set behind. And I know that there's some people who understand why Tommy Edmond is the right answer right now for being their center fielder, but I still see on social media people bring up his arm strength. I don't know about you guys, but I thought he displayed his baseball IQ last season and he brought some stability to the team defensively, which is something that they were desperately needing. So I feel like if you're able to lock that down behind Lynn and Michaelis, that that will really help this team out for yeah. at least building towards something. Well, and the other thing is is that he uh Edmund is an extremely t- he's a gifted player. He's a, he's an innate player and the cutoff man is the Kingswood Cannon. So just get the ball into the hands of Mason Wynn and let his arm <laughs> do the go. work. Yeah. Throw it halfway. Yeah. Yeah, throw it all the way there. Oh no, no. we already We already got a Kool-Aid comment this morning. Huh? Are we being too Kool-Aid? We're not being Kool-Aid this morning, drinking the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. I don't think I've said well, here, here's one from It is what it is right yeah. now. Is Kool-Aid getting back to 500? <laughs> <laughs> I don't here's know. a 618 says, maybe y'all should hold Mo accountable for doing the same crap year to year. This isn't a playoff team. They aren't much better at all than last year. Okay. With all due respect to you, if you can give me the examples since John Mozeliak became the general manager of him going out and getting three starters that threw 180 innings a year before, give me one example and I'll assume that there are 100. So uh, where's that uh, from, the, that, uh, that person? Uh, that 618. Okay, 618. If you please do me a favor and just from 2008 to 2022, Please provide me the example of John Mozeliak going out and getting three starters that threw 180 innings a year before. Now, I understand that they weren't great, and that's why I said, I, I said on our air, you did. if you are going to do what you've done, you've gotten yourself maybe back to 500. I, I, if that's drinking Kool-Aid, so be it. But again, you have to protect your bullpen somehow, and if you have a decent offense and you have a rotation that can get you to the seventh inning, you are protecting your bullpen and you're giving a yourself a hell of a lot better chance than you had last year. Uh, I I think people are looking for reasons to be negative and outraged, and this is a problem with society. Choose to be happy this morning, people. Okay, Happy. Smell the flowers. Blow Drink the, the Kool-Aid. Take, oh, yeah. no, don't do that. Oh, okay. Take, take, take oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think drink, drinking the Kool-Aid would be saying, yeah, these additions have put the Cardinals in a position where they should be able to win the World Series. 
I don't think anybody here even Nobody talked about them making that. the playoffs. No. And if anything, playoffs. with me being positive about things defensively, that was the big issue we talked about. The carousel that we saw in the outfield was ridiculous last season. We said that. I like that they are actually admitting that they need to have more defined roles going into the season. That should be a good thing because defensively you have gold glove winners on this staff. Mm-hmm. That is something that is a huge asset. Huge. And I think locking down those roles, they will actually be able to do what they need to do instead of wondering what position they're going to be playing the next day. And I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting. Let's see. Uh, I'm still waiting for the, the 618 to weigh in here. <laughs> you just want to wait till we <laughs> yeah. go to break. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Doing the same crap year to year. I'm, it's that he doesn't do enough year to year to make the team better, you dope. I just want to hear your example. Uh, now you're trying to change the subject. Uh, let's stick with your subject, okay? Your mm-hmm. subject, not mine. Give me the three names, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Coming up, do the Blues have a problem with their balance of skill versus will? That's coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You, you, you've just got too much inconsistency there with certain players. And again, the sum of the parts thing, you don't have the depth You don't because you're a team in transition. You don't have the skill. And it is a very difficult thing, game in, game out, to bring, and there's that's why there's only a handful of teams in, in any sport that seem to do it, and that's where the Blues are at. They're, they're, they're working towards getting back to that mindset with everybody, and they're going to need everybody on board. That's the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, yesterday on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and all of a sudden the Blues beat Vegas and... Hey, buddy, we're here. You bet we are. Uh, oh, oh, oh! This is uh, this is Stanley Cup talk. Is that what we're doing now? Yes, we are. Well, I mean, Jordan Bennington didn't look like he did in 2019. <laughs> I really do think that was one of it, the best game for him this season, but also maybe one of his best games in recent years, considering the yeah, opponent. No doubt about it. With with that skill level and what was happening. In that game, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that that was one of Bennington's best performances. I guess you could go back to the Colorado series before he got hurt. Uh, he was performing at that level. But the, the, there are going to be nights where what happens in front of the goalie is going to force the goalie to steal a game for you. But I didn't think last night was one of those nights. Even though Bennington did, that's just what Vegas does. That's just who they are. And I thought the Blues played toe-to-toe with Vegas. And it is... You'd like to see a higher percentage of games where the Blues' effort 
is at that level. Now, you can't do it over the course of 82, but I would like to see a higher percentage of games where, as Coach calls it, that compete level is higher from minute one to minute 60. Well, I think you can do it the majority of the games. I think that, the, you know, it's they get they get enough rest right mm-hmm. you 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 your body may be sore but you do get rest you do have you're not flying coach you're not flying you know you're not standing in lines and waiting to get on the plane you're not sleeping in some of the worst hotels like you have there is rest associated with being a professional athlete and and it's taking care of your body and doing the things you need to do off the ice personally when your time is away from from practice or or from training or from meetings those are the things that are important now if you're not if you are partying till two and I don't know that I don't say I'm not saying that that's what they're doing but if you are partying till two or three in the morning and you're not getting that rest then yeah you may come out and be sluggish the next day that's a you thing that's not a, 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 a an overall playing every other day or playing every three days a week type of thing that that's just you not taking care of your body and not being a professional and those are the things that if you're not doing that properly you will be sluggish in a game so for me showing up every single night is the least the, the 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 bare minimum of what you have to do as a professional athlete show up be ready to work give your best effort that's what's the that's the expectation now if you're better than the other team it'll show on the ice but showing up and working hard should be the bare minimum of what you have to do and I don't think I, I've never considered it a, a physical issue. I, I've always thought it was a, a mental thing with the Blues. You go on the road, for example, at the end of December or no, November, and we talk about that. We joked about the Thanksgiving thing, but you come, you lose a couple of games, five one five one to the Sharks and the Kings. Then you win in Anaheim and you win in Arizona, beat them six to five, and then all of a sudden it feels like okay, we've won a couple of games. We can just throw the pucks out on the ice. It's going to be easy, and you get drilled by Nashville by a score of eight to three. Then you beat Chicago. Four to two, and then you have a, a listless performance against the the Wild in a three one loss, and then you beat Buffalo. It just seems to me like they the, and the teams that are the most talented in the league now are winning. They're mm-hmm. they're at the top of the standings. The Blues are not one of the most talented teams, so they have to work harder. I get the sense that many times the Blues feel like they're better than they really are, and they can just throw the pucks out on the ice and and win the game when they have to present great effort every night. So you think that it's more of a will thing? And going into what you were saying, CD, about that's just the base of showing up, being prepared every day. That is on the players to make sure that they are doing that. And it's very interesting because we've talked about this over the past few days, but they're now 12-0 when scoring first. There is something about being ready. Ready at the very start of the game when that puck drops and for them to be ready I don't know what it is and how they can continue to build off of that build some momentum off of that but maybe that is a big thing there and you know you're talking about maybe not the most talented team Randy I know that there's maybe not a guy who's the superstar of this squad but is Jordan Bennington can he be the superstar for this team he can but not for 82 games. It needs to be a Ford, right? It needs to be one of the guys from your top six. And they don't have a McKinnon. It's kind of foolish to bring up McDavid in this situation because the Oilers never do anything. But the best players in the league are guys that on a consistent basis will their teams to victory. And I don't think the Blues have that guy. You, you, superstar. You got to have one. Two preferably. It helps win games. It helps win championships. It's it's very rare that you have a team full of 
no names that that can go on and win a championship. The only team that that comes to mind in any sport would be the Detroit Pistons mm-hmm. when they didn't have at Ben Wallace is in the Hall of Fame, but they didn't have Hall of Famers in the terms of like superstar players. They had a team of guys collectively that went out and grinded. But you, that's so rare. Right, and the Blues twenty nineteen were probably probably nobody on that team is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but they got a Hall of Fame performance out of the goalie. And they had, I mean, Bomeister was the number one pick in the draft, mm-hmm. and Petrangelo was annually a top five Norris Ryan guy, and, and, and O'Reilly had a, an epic playoff run. So there were a lot of good things that, and fortuitous things, and they did present that incredible effort every single night. Well, not every single night, but every time they won. But we, they, they had some stinkers during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget down the stretch. When remember when they went into Ottawa and got drilled? They were really good. They were rolling, and everybody thinks, okay, they're going to be fine. Then they go to Ottawa and just get drilled by the Senators. And I thought, man, maybe it was a mirage, and it wasn't. They wound up winning the cup. But even that Stanley Cup championship team had their nights where. They work that great. We, yeah. We romanticize that oh. five years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, because you want to forget about the bad things. It's yeah. like any relationship, <laughs> right? Any long-term relationship, you, you start thinking back, you're like, oh, wait, this happened? Oh, no, we don't have to remember that part no. of it. But the Blues remember have, the sunny parts. Uh, right. The, the Blues should be in pretty good shape here. And, and I say this because I'm, I'm speaking from a logical standpoint, from a physical standpoint. Okay, so you get Vegas here, and Vegas is going to be angry, and you probably uh, tomorrow night are going to run into a buzzsaw with Vegas. But then you get Columbus, mediocre. You get the Blackhawks, bad. You get the Red Wings, mediocre. Uh, you get Ottawa, bad. Then you have Dallas. But you've got four games in a row after tomorrow that are very winnable for the Blues, but they're also, every game is very losable for the Blues. And I think that's the frustration that we all have. Well, you don't know. I, yeah. I Yesterday I said that the Blues are like, I was just trying to think of a ride where you go up and down, up mm-hmm. and down. And immediately thought of the Tower of Terror where you go really yeah. high and mm-hmm. then drop down. That's just what it feels like right now for the Blues. And hopefully they can break through that. And maybe this is another Kool-Aid comment because I just like that. The mm-hmm. people want to say Kool-Aid comment. Oh, and so yeah. I want to give you a Blues. <laughs> I want to give you a Blues one now. Is it possibly a good thing that we are at least seeing the Blues display some resilience where they are able to bounce back. It is. They have the, because they do have the ability to do that if they need to. Sunshine, lollipops, see? and I wanted to give you a Blues Kool-Aid comment. I, I see it in a different way. Because I see if you're mm-hmm. able to play at that level, then you should play at that level every time. Exactly. But you just can't for 82 games. It's, yeah, it's impossible. But, but Nobody does. I, I, I mean, I because that, Vegas last night but didn't. But the fall off is, is drastic. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can tell... The, the level of effort that is being given from night to night, that shouldn't be the case. If you get beat by a better team, you, you, you're going to have some nights where, yeah, we're tired. Okay, we, we, mm-hmm. we did have, you know, we played three games this week or we, we had to travel. We've been on the road for, for a week and a half. Okay, I get it. But you shouldn't have, it shouldn't be the first or second game of that, of that you know, three, four game stretch. And it shouldn't look as drastic as it looks for the St. Louis Blues. And so... You know that they can play with anybody if they can beat the Las Vegas Golden Knights in mm-hmm. Las Vegas the way that they did yesterday. That's the that's the standard of who they they shouldn't play less than that any time throughout the entire season. But they have, and that's the problem that I have when I'm watching them. It's not consistent enough, and that's the part that I think as a coach is the most frustrating part. It'd be one thing if you couldn't do it or never did it, mm-hmm. but once you do it, that's who you should be every single night. And the, mm-hmm. the Rangers have the best record in the league, okay? Two nights ago, they allowed five goals to San Jose, who is the worst team in the league. Last week, 
the the Rangers lost at home to Buffalo five to one. There's no way the Rangers should lose at home to Buffalo by a score of five to one, especially when they're reasonably well rested. But they did, and it just what's it, the what's the Rangers record? Yeah, they have the best record in the league. That, that it happens, so, so that's it happens, it happens but, to every single team. But if you're the, the 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 amount of times that it happens for a really good team versus a not really good team are different. If you're a really good team and that happens, you can chalk that up and say, oh, okay. But when you're a, a team that is right at 500 or just mm-hmm. above 500 and you know you, that can't happen, it can't happen as often as it does. If you're the Rangers, you can have a night where you stink it up and say, ah, oh, you chalked mm-hmm. it up. That was That's not who we are. But if you're the Blues and you're a middle-of-the-road, middle-of-the-pack type of team and it happens, well, that's who we are. And how do we fix that? That's right. Yeah, the, they need to have – more consistent compete. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Or leave it. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo ho! All right, guys. Uh, got a question for you. And uh, I, I know Carrie is not going to like this at all. But I'm still going to use it as <laughs> my Tioli. Okay. Uh, NFL quarterbacks that have been injured this year for the season. Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson, Kirk Cousins. Others that have been injured. Now, Trevor Lawrence with apparently a high ankle sprain. Kenny Pickett. Uh, uh, Kyler Murray just got back. Justin Fields has been hurt. So you've had basically a third of the league's quarterbacks and some of your biggest names that have been hurt this year. Take it or leave it, the NFL should institute a different rule for quarterbacks to be hit. Whether oh. it's a buzzer or whether it's a flag, oh. quarterbacks should not be allowed to be hit because no. they're the most important players oh. on the field. They're your biggest investment, and you really can't afford to lose them for a season. Leave it. Just take the pads off, man. Like We, had a, I, we talked about this yesterday. There were two plays yesterday that I watched. Patrick Mahomes got hit inbounds. You hit him too hard. Oh, don't hit him that hard. He's playing. He's a football player, man. At least I thought. Russell Wilson. But he's also the most valuable so football player. So you don't care about that. He. So Randy, you would have been happy I, what, in 08 if Big Ben takes, tears up a knee. Big Ben is 6'5", 270 pounds. If he mm-hmm. gets hit, he's probably going to hurt the person that's hitting but him. I saw Joey Bosa here's get torn the, up. Here's the problem that I have with that. You are, in, you are a, a, a part of your own safety. You are. You have to take care of yourself. If you don't want to get hit, get down. You know who never got hit? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning didn't mm-hmm. take big hits. You know why? Because Peyton Manning is pretty damn smart and understands and, yeah. that he's not going to withstand those type of hits. But so not what did everybody do? has that innate ability to well, avoid. Who the hell's fault is that? That's it's, well, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I can't. I can't tell a player don't hit him hard because he's the quarterback. Do you know what I want to do? 
I want to win. So if the quarterback, do you think anybody on Cincinnati felt bad when when Trevor Lawrence went down last no, night? No, you know but, why? But because you know they want to win. Yep, but. Everybody in the NFL knows that the value is in the quarterback. And, and, well, that's that. And I understand. If you're the league, and they, and therefore you, they get yep. paid fifty million dollars a year. Right, and if you don't have them on the field, it hurts your product. That, that's my point. Nah, I'm gonna. You don't, leave th- that. you don't think it hurts the product to lose quarterbacks? I it think does, it hurts but you the have product. To it. I think I care more about my team winning. If that quarterback doesn't want to get hit, he should get down. They have enough rules to protect them in the pocket, outside of the pocket. The calls that they make are egregious to defensive players and I didn't even play defense I couldn't even I wouldn't even be I would be if I was a safety or a linebacker well, in the NFL right now I would be broke Kerry, the game that they play now and this is 15 years later is completely different than the game that you played. It's it. a different sport it, it's protecting players but there is some some you are you are supposed to protect yourself as well Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes don't want to get hit get your butt out of bounds you don't get hit. You're trying to stay in and get an extra yard, and you got knocked down. <laughs> That's my fault. Mm-hmm. And then I penalized the defender. Yep. yep. 15 yards, so which idea. can cost somebody money, job, championships. Yep. You know, That's the, not their fault. Have you guys ever played in? You, the, you guys might be too young for this. The game Operation. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's got to be like just a buzzer all over the quarterback's <laughs> body. So if he, gets, he touched, gets touched. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't buzz him. I mean, it, it just, buzzes the ref. Yeah, blow the whistle. Yep, and he and he's uh, or so, just or just do blow the whistle, blow the whistle. What yeah. was that? So, little, little giants. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He could put his arm here. Blow the whistle. Don't don't hit me. <laughs> Sickening. Randy wants flag football. football. That's what you Basically, want. Well, for quarterbacks. Man. Yeah. And by the way, I. I loved the game I grew up watching. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the product right now. I, I loved real football. Mm-hmm. And, and the greatest show on turf played real football. I'll never forget the hit Isaac Bruce took. It was the, the, the Sunday before 9-11. Rams are coming back at Philly. He's on the sideline, and he gets drilled. And Isaac gets back up, and the Rams go down, and they score the tying touchdown. Marshall Falk scores, and they go into overtime win the game. I loved I was watching Toby Wright highlights this morning. I love the way Toby Wright played the game. He killed people, and I wanted that. I liked concussions, but I I also understand where they are now. The Rams' receivers protected themselves as well. Mm-hmm. They would run, get as much as they could get, and got down yep. because they didn't want – that's on the player, man. It's player safety. It's not on the referees but, to be solely responsible for player safety. And w- But one of the problems, Kerry, is that the rules have made players fearless like they don't think they're going to be hit. That's, yeah, that's a that's problem. that's a you problem. I'm trying to yeah. hit you. Right. I, I, I don't know. It's, they think if they get hit, there's going to be a penalty. Yeah, well, it might be. I might be penalized, but I guarantee you're going to know you got hit. <laughs> I'll take the 15. <laughs> Coach, that one's on me. First 15's on me. On me. <laughs> so, speaking of quarterbacks, we saw the uh, the injury to Trevor Lawrence last night. Take it or leave it. The Houston Texans win the division. In I'm going to yeah. have to take it. But don't sleep on the Colts. <sighs> Gardner Minshew oh will come God. back to life in a minute. He's a great I, – I think he's – no question, the best backup quarterback in the league and, and proving that he deserves – he can play, he can be a starting quarterback, obviously. Um, but I just think Houston Texans are a much better team with a much better quarterback. And their two first-round draft choices are really playing yes, well. Are. Anderson's playing well, too. Yeah, well, and don't believe everything with the Colts. They just beat a really bad team the no, other day. They, so. they beat. 
Um, in over, was it overtime? Yeah, it was overtime. Uh, it was some, I don't know, Titans team, something oh, like that. Oh, no, not the Titans. I don't know who would be a fan of that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> take it or leave it, guys. Um, supposedly, or reportedly, Jordan Hicks is interested, or they there are some teams interested in him, including the Astros and the Cardinals. Take it or leave it, the Cardinals will bring Jordan Hicks back. I'm going to leave it. I don't think the Cardinals will go. 44 over 4, which was the projected number for him by uh, MLB Trade Rumors. I, I just can't imagine the Cardinals going that all in on a relief pitcher. Although they did it for Andrew Miller. Mm-hmm. But I, I would be surprised knowing that they had Hicks. I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised by that. I'm going to have to leave it as well. Yeah, I, I think I'll leave it. I, I, you know, I didn't want him to leave in the first place. You know, let people to throw that fast, that hard out of the door. But they felt the need to. I get it. Wait what, uh, wait, what position are you bringing him back as? <clears throat> Hicksy? Yeah. Relief pitcher? Yeah, you want to be a shortstop. He's, he's your save man. He gets, right, you, he gets saves for you. <laughs> he, why? What else is he going to be? <laughs> I was probably, what is he going to play? Shortstop? Uh, you know, you guys save want me to come back? I finally want to be a starter. Oh, um, no, not that again. <laughs> not that again. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure he's over it. Take it or leave it. Tommy Edmond or Brendan Donovan are no longer a Cardinal by the end of the week. Leave it. Ooh. They're... In place. In fact, Mo gave you a lineup basically, well. and Edmonds, your starting center fielder, right? And Donovan's going to be your second baseman. Maybe it's Gorman at second base. And Wilson Contreras at DH, and then Herrera at catcher. That'd be fun, but <laughs> I'm not so sure that Nolan Gorman is physically able to play 130 games in the field because of his back. I think it'd be longer than, you know, a week back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That was a good, that was a good adapted one. Uh, take it or leave it. Says the college football committee is scripting this like the, a wrestling match. At the end of the pl- championship game, Florida State should come out of the tunnel and challenge whoever wins to a cage match for the real championship. Uh, 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 take it. I love that. If you take were talking it. about TV ratings, that yeah. would be some great TV <laughs> ratings. My God, that's Florida State's music. Well, I, I don't know if, if I don't know if Florida State really wants to go there. Uh, yeah, I mean, they might want to. They they might want the cage match, but they might not want it after it's over. Oh, wow. I think, yeah, you know. You think what? Florida State's that great? No. I think Florida State, what I think is they got left out, and it's unfortunate. They played in a game with their third string quarterback, a true freshman, in an, in an ACC championship game, his first game ever, and they won. That means that is a really good team. And the second string quarterback, who did not play due to a concussion, would more than likely be able to come back mm-hmm. for the bowl game or the college football playoffs. I don't think that that was taken into consideration. Rodemaker is a much better player than what they showed in their third-string quarterback um, Saturday. And so, yeah, I think it's unfortunate. I think there's room for nuance here. I think it's fair for us to say, yes, Alabama is the better team, Mm -hmm. but also fair to say that the reason we have the college football playoff in the first place is because in 2004, an unbeaten conference Power 5 champion, Auburn, was left out of the BCS because you had Oklahoma against USC in the championship game. And everybody said, oh, my God, we can't have an unbeaten Power 5 conference championship that's champion that doesn't have a chance to win the championship. So 10 years later, we wound up with the college football playoff. No, that's why we have the playoff because of precisely what happened this weekend. And we did it again. Yeah, and then we did it with the college playoff. Look at us. Yeah, so I I can tell you that I test. I think Alabama is better than Florida State. Mm -hmm. But fairness... 
what else was Florida State supposed to do? They should be in it because they did not lose a game and Alabama did. It's And that's the thing is that I don't even think it was – I feel like they were clear that it wasn't even going to be about fairness. I don't think they were going to get the four best records. It was more of just the four teams that they thought would provide the best product yeah, but out there. The, the thing that bothers me, and I, I was And it's not to, right. No, I was listening to Unsportsmanlike this morning. They told TCU – Oh, TC, no one wants to see that again. TCU beat Michigan, man. But then what like happened they, after that, that, CD? But that's a what matchup problem. That? that doesn't mean TCU didn't deserve to be in the national championship game. That's a matchup issue. Sometimes you play against a team that, hell, it don't matter where you play, when you play, they're just going to beat you. They are a better team. That doesn't mean that they didn't deserve to be there. Exactly. exactly. That's the same thing I with Florida with State. They deserved to be there. Just because if they go and lose because it's a bad matchup against Michigan, no one even thinks Michigan is even that good. Well, so why would you assume that they couldn't beat Michigan? I think it, Michigan is good, by the way. But, I, I do, too. Um, but a but lot of people don't. Here's the bottom line. What were those young student athletes, what else were the young student athletes of Florida State supposed to do? Exactly. And it was not fair whatsoever. They no. did everything Poor right kids. and even having your third string quarterback step up. But just one quick question, CD, because I just want to poke the bear a little bit more here. I know that it was a down year for the SEC, but in all honesty, do you think that the SEC or the ACC was a better conference this season? I think that the SEC has two better teams. I don't think, like, people, Auburn was 6-6, six and six, man. Ole Miss was good. But when we talk about the SEC, we're talking about three teams. We're talking about Bama, Georgia, LSU. That's all we're talking about. When we talk about the ACC, we're talking about Florida State, Clemson. When we talk about Mich- uh, the Big Ten, we're talking about Michigan, Ohio State. That's It's really two to three teams, and we talk about an entire conference. The entire conference is good. No, it's not. It's not. Vanderbilt is not good. Oh, don't bring up Vanderbilt. Of course Vanderbilt was, was never good. good. Florida <laughs> was not good this year. Like, those aren't teams that you say, this is it. No. Tennessee ain't been good since 1999 when T. Martin won a championship. But Louisville was the ACC's second best team, and that's how they played? But that, but that's this year. This Clemson had a down year. Yeah. We wouldn't talk about Louisville as a top team in the ACC. We talk about... Clemson, and we talk about Florida State. Mm-hmm. That's it. We have teams in each conference, two to three teams in each conference that are elite. Everyone else is not. And so the frustration that I have, or, or you talk about the Big 12, uh, o- uh, Oklahoma, Texas. That's it. We're not talking about Baylor may have a good year every now and then. West Virginia, how the hell are they even in mm-hmm. the Big 12? Like, that's it. It's a couple of teams. It's not the entire conference. And so that 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 narrative is uh, driving no, me crazy. No conference is one hundred percent great. No, but There's the, no, but the, no the notion that the SEC is greater, it's you know three why? teams you know why that, that are heavy exists? in that team. You know why in that, that conference? Because they've won four straight championships and seven out of nine. Who who, who, who won those? The SEC. Which team? Well, oh, it's LSU, it's Alabama, it's Georgia. The three yeah. teams that I said. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> That's it. But but they did. That's it. The bottom line is they won it. That's, That's why. That's it. The it, three it, teams it, that it, I said. If you're the best team in the SEC, there's a very good chance uh, that you're the best team in the country. I hear you. I, I don't agree with it. Well, somebody else better start winning then. <laughs> That's all it takes. They would have this year if they would have done the right thing and not put uh, the SEC team. But I don't think they're winning it this year. I think Florida, I think Georgia is, uh, not Georgia, I think Alabama is going to lose to Michigan. 
I agree with that. I think Michigan's the best team this year. And look, I agree with you on the part of if it's a down year for Clemson, then Mm -hmm. it's a down year for the ACC in general. They need Clemson to be better than what you saw, obviously, this season. Uh, Thanks very much for your text. Coming up, what did Mo say and what did Mo mean? That's coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. I think the key is, is you know, when you're the manager of that club, you're just trying to find these guys at bats. And I think that was one of the frustrations we had last year when we got off that slow start, really couldn't get anybody hot. And I think in uh, Gorman's case, Brendan Donovan, these are like young, talented players that need every day at bats. And that's going to be the trick for us. That's John Mozeliak. And the Cardinals tried a different tack last year, obviously, and trying to get at bats for everybody and they weren't very deft in doing so and as it turns out like he said they needed to get more at bats to try to get people hot and that appears to be their approach this year so as we uh go into uh, some of the comments of Mo, he says the outfield seems set he did say that they expect that it's going to be lars newt bar in left it's going to be tommy edmund in center it's going to be jordan walker in right he says that what does he really mean the I, I hope that that's what that means, right? But he says that, and then if you pair that with his comments, too, about Mason Wynn, he did say that they would like to see more from Mason Wynn offensively, which he, what was his batting average? I think it was 172 is what he finished with. Of course, he didn't come into things until September. Yeah. Exactly. Games, so yeah. I think that hopefully that's what he means, but the failsafe there is that if things do not start panning out with Mason Wynn, especially when they get started in spring training and the season starts, and Mason Wynn is still struggling, then maybe you have Tommy Edmond as your center fielder, but then he's going to be available to be your shortstop. And there also seems to be some comments about Victor Scott II being on the horizon. Well, and Dylan Carlson apparently is going to be on the roster as the number four. That's what I took out of it is yes. uh, Dylan Carlson is going to be our fourth outfielder. They're going to try to get him some at-bats too and see if he's what they expected that he could be. I wouldn't. I mean, I think that's a, a good idea. If you want, if you want Tommy Edmond to be your center fielder, let him be that. Let him be that every single day. Don't shuffle the guys around and have guys moving in different places. Let those three outfielders gain reps and and take at bats and get opportunities to to really play in the outfield every single day and and get more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of Mason Wynn, if he I, I don't have any concerns about him. I think you would be doing him and your team a disservice. We've seen a Cardinals team have a great defender that couldn't hit really well. I, I mean, Ozzie Smith at one point was that. Yadier Molina at one point was that. But they are so valuable catching and fielding that you allow them to play that position. And so, you know, I think Mason Wynn, despite if he struggles, you don't remove him from that lineup and say, hey, no, we need a bat. We, we got guys around you that can bat. We need defense up the middle to protect our, our pitchers from allowing hits up the middle and, and, and big plays. Baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. And we are so quick to anoint a player or degrade a player. Guy needs a chance to breathe. Yes. He's 20 years old. He's going to be 21 years old. 
he needs a chance. Okay, it, you don't want to you, you don't want to have a player kill his confidence that you give up on just because he plays thirty games. And I always go back to Willie Mays. Willie Mays hit something like one. I think he was two for his first fifty-one in the majors, and the Giants didn't send him down, and he became Willie Mays. And that happens with a lot of players. Keith Hernandez was not a good hitter at the start of his career and became a great hitter because they stuck with him. Sometimes, every time, you have to give a player an opportunity to grow, and you can't judge him on 137 plate appearances, 122 at-bats. Okay, do you guys believe that a deal for Tyler O'Neill that there's already a taker out there for Tyler O'Neill? Well, if there was a taker out there, would he need to say that he is available for trade discussions? Or do you think that he's testing the waters with it or they haven't I, been able to have something come to fruition? I would think that there's talks? probably a deal that somebody will take him off their hands and they're probably looking for a little bit more for Tyler O'Neill. I, By the way, if I'm another general manager, I'm not going to go to my owner and say, yeah, we should get this guy for $6 million. But th- there might be a team out there that will take him for virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played. What do you he, get in he, return? He's played a hundred games in his career one time. What do you get in return? Uh, a lottery ticket, a ball pitcher, or something. That's what I would give up. You could have done that. You could have gotten more at the trade deadline because he was playing well, and then again he got hurt. Uh, and I think the the Cardinals again. I I think that they got so excited by how how well he played mm-hmm. during that stretch that they thought, oh, this is exactly what we've been waiting for. We don't want to re- we don't want to remove him from our lineup. Yeah, Let's keep him here. Seduced by yes, him. and and then you realize, oh crap, it happened again. No, it, it was it was bound to happen again. I think Tyler O'Neill, if he can get healthy, stay healthy, and maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe he needs to be somewhere where you know he can figure out how to manage his body. I think he can be a really good player. I think he will be a really good player. But it just hasn't happened consistently here. And that's frustrating for him and for Cardinals. Yeah, the injuries have been a big part of his career, sadly. Because you know that there is a lot of talent there, obviously. And when he's good, he's good. He just has to be available. That's been his biggest issue. What's the most important ability? Availability. There we go. Good. And finally, is Dylan Carlson, we hear Mo say, okay, Dylan Carlson's our fourth outfielder. Do you believe him? Is he our guy as a fourth outfielder? Well, I mean, who else you got? What you got? Burley? Yeah, Burley. No. No? No, not in the outfield. But they want first to, base. Why well, they want to clean the slate and get these guys at-bats? Uh, I mean, Burley who, seems like somebody um, they want to get more at-bats. Let him get some Let him get some reps at first base. Mm. Who's that? What's his name again? Raphael. No, I'm just going to say Raphael uh, Palmero. Josh's brother. <laughs> Yeah, Richie Palacios. Richie Palacios. <laughs> Richie Palacios. There we go. Sorry, CD. Richie Palacios. Right. RP. Hey, RP. What's there up? There you go. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. You're close. You were close. Yeah, yeah. Richie Palacios. Richie Palacios. You got to give him a chance. Oh, don't he's you? there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did he? Uh, did his name get? Did he make it? Did he make it? Okay. My thing with Mo is he later on he said clean the slate to open up at bats. That doesn't seem like a one person move. No, it's a... And so that, that, that's, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Rather than trying to be the Dodgers, now they're going to try to be the Braves. Oh. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. So you now, philosophically, that doesn't mean they're going to win like the Braves. Oh, I was, but I mean, I was gonna In say, terms was... of trying to play the matchup game that the Dodgers have succeeded with playing, you know, six different outfielders and moving players around like the Cardinals have done in the past, it appears that the Cardinals are going to make that 180 and try to play everybody at a position like the Braves did last year, mm-hmm. which is, I, I prefer that approach. I hope that they maintain that approach. I always liked it when the manager could just sit on the bench with his arms crossed and watch the game. I think that's great. Because that lets <laughs> so players that means play. you got a good team. Yep. 
yep. and guys are doing what they're coached to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to stress out about every single pitch or every single moment right. and make sure guys get here. Get, no, no. Yeah. They understand it. They were coached well, and they know where they're supposed to be, and they're there. And it makes life easier. Yeah. So I, I hope that that's the case for the Cardinals. Kind of like Dusty Baker. That's my, yeah. That's why he's my, uh, there's that's your fresh take guy. on 101 ESPN. Coming up, NFL news and notes. And Kerry doesn't like my idea about quarterback protection. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. And after the injury last night to Trevor Lawrence of the Jags, and it appears that he's going to get away with just a, just a sprained ankle. Sometimes a high ankle sprain can be worse than a break. Yeah. But uh, he is going to miss some time, Trevor Lawrence is. And he joins Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Richardson, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones on the shelf. The Cardinals just got uh, Kyler Murray back from a torn ACL suffered last year. The Bears have lost Justin Fields for a time this year. About a third of the league's quarterbacks have been lost to their teams this year, and I have an idea that uh, defensive players should just be able to tap the jersey of a quarterback, and the jersey needs to have a sensor system where it buzzes for the officials, and that will count as a sack. Kerry has his head in his hands saying, no, this can't be the case. What else can the NFL do, though, to protect quarterbacks more? They can protect their biggest themselves, man. You are a grown man. You know, when you boxers, you you hear the referee say, protect yourself at all Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. That's your job. It's your job. I can't jump in and save you when you're getting punched in the face, sir. (laughs) Keep your hands up. (laughs) It's not my job to take a risk of jumping in there to save your life. Protect yourself. And if you're a quarterback, protect yourself. Get down. Don't try. Here's the thing that you, and, and every quarterback knows this, defensive players during practice, Right, they are not allowed to touch a quarterback. If you get near, if you breathe on the quarterback, you get yelled at, <laughs> cussed out, fussed at. You don't get near the quarterback in practice. So for 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 weeks leading up to the season, defensive players are like, oh god, I got to get to the quarterback. I get, they, they want to hit you, and then then all practice, they the same thing. So when they get to Sunday and they finally get to hit a quarterback. Mm-hmm. It is like Christmas. It is a field day. <laughs> Lights are blinking. It is it is the skies have opened and the sun is pouring down on them. It is their day. And for you to take that away from them because a quarterback is not willing or unable, not smart enough to protect himself in the pocket or outside of the pocket, that's don't blame the defender for the stupidity of a quarterback. If Patrick Mahomes wants to get knocked out by Jonathan Owens on the sideline because he wants to get a half of a yard extra instead of stepping out of bounds, mm-hmm. that's on Patrick Mahomes. That's not on Jonathan Owens. What is he supposed to do? Let him – because what will happen is he'll stop running, and you know what Patrick Mahomes will do? Keep running down the sideline. Mm-hmm. We saw it with yep. Kenny Pickett in the bowl game when he was in college. Fake slide. Everybody stopped. He kept going. They yeah. changed the rule because of it. So if you don't want to get hit – Get down or get out of bounds. Make your life easier. But do not blame the defenders because of a dumb decision by a quarterback. I don't see why you don't. I feel I feel like that's something that is lost on the quarterbacks is that that should also be a focus of their training, right? 
It, it, yeah, they do. They but they're smart enough to to know that they are protected under the rules, so they can get an extra yard. Mm-hmm. They can get away with sliding late, and if they get hit, then it's fifteen yards. Or if they don't get hit and they decide, okay, I'm not going to slide or I'm not going to step out of bounds, I can go get more yards myself. And so it's a it's really an unfortunate it's a situation for a defender because you don't know. Is he running out of bounds? Oh, can't hit him. Is he going to slide? Oh, I can't hit him. Well, he's not sliding. He's actually trying to make a first down, and it's an important situation right now late in the fourth quarter, and we got to get our offense the ball back. And it puts the defense in a bad position. People will lose jobs. People will lose their careers. Mm-hmm. People will lose money. People will lose championships because you want to protect a quarterback that doesn't have the, in- the, the intelligence to get down and protect his damn self. People lose more. And by the way, it's not a matter of intelligence when you get buried by a defensive end coming from your blind side. That's a that's a you problem. That's a left tackle problem. Right, right. That, but it's that's, not, a, it's, that's, that's, a, a, that's not a reflection on a quarterback's no, intelligence at I'm all. I'm talking outside of the pocket and not getting out of bounds or not sliding and taking a big hit. And then the defender is getting penalized for it. Yeah. And but getting fined for it, I'm sure. More quarterbacks or more more coaches get fired because their quarterback gets hurt. Do you know whose else. fault that is? The coaches? The the the, the scouts that, mm-hmm. that 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 draft the linemen, the scouts that draft the quarterback. Because here's the thing. If a quarterback is taking big hits, it's one of two things. Either his line isn't protecting mm-hmm. him or he doesn't know where the ball should go and he's holding it too long. So that's a you problem. That's not a defender problem. Don't blame the defense for doing their job if you're not doing your job. And if I'm a quarterback the holds yep. the ball. He's getting hit because he didn't throw the ball to the hot receiver That's where the unblocked defender blitz from. And I'm not blaming defenders. What I'm saying is, and we'll move on to the next thing in a moment, but what does everybody say? Everybody in the league, the commissioner says it, coaches say it, players say it, media says it. It's a quarterback-driven league. And to be at its best, it's going to need to have its quarterbacks. Well, then get the people that can protect them. Well, here, uh, okay, let me let me give you a step. The, Why should in, the in, in, in this, be penalized in, 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 for that? In this past draft, because the defensive ends are on scholarship, too. In this past draft, there were, of the top four players, three were quarterbacks, the other one was a pass rusher. 2022 draft, top two players taken were pass rushers. 2021 draft, you had quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. You didn't have a defensive end until uh, the, the eighth pick. 2020 NFL draft, Burrow goes first, Chase Young goes second. 2019, Kyler Murray, Nick Bosa goes second. NFL players and people, they recog- or uh, personnel people, they recognize how valuable that defensive end is. The, re- the Those defensive ends and those pass rushers are pretty darn good. You know what I didn't hear in that list? What? An offensive tackle. Exactly. That's on the yep. that's on the team for yep. not protecting their exactly. investment. Exactly. If you got $100,000, you're going to put it somewhere where it's protected, well, ain't you? You ain't going to just walk if, around with it in your arms. But if you're an athlete now, if you're a Nick Bosa, and you're given the choice between playing defensive end and the money that a defensive end makes versus what an offensive tackle makes, you're going to go play defensive end. Listen, offensive tackles are a key component to any offense. They are. If you want to be successful and have your quarterback stand upright, you might want to invest in those guys. And the other thing you should do is maybe try to change the sport at the collegiate and high school level so we aren't running that spread anymore. Well, that's not going to... That's not. You see it, right? Yeah. That's a problem, isn't it? I mean, it's a problem, but... There are coaches that get paid to develop players. That's their well, job. That's why Michigan's always going to have great offensive tackles coming out because they run the offense. That's their job. 
Another big story is the Jets, and I feel like the Jets are just a soap opera this season. There's constant drama and stories coming out around them, the latest being that according to reports, Aaron Rodgers reached out to the young quarterback in Zach Wilson, as we know, in an effort to advise him with his potential return to the lineup. But Wilson remained apprehensive due to injury risk. Kind of talking about what we were talking about with the offensive lines. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't know if I was Aaron Rodgers if I would want to return back anytime soon, but... What is interesting is that yesterday, Robert Sala, he told reporters that Wilson wants the ball. He said, let's be clear, if he was reluctant to play, guys, he wouldn't be here. So which story are you buying? Listen, I, I, he will know Sunday if he's playing or not, I guess. I don't know. I, it, it's Is it selfish if Russell, if, no, Russell, if Zach Wilson said, I don't want to play behind this offensive line? Yes. Is he wrong? Not really, because you, you benched him. You told him he wasn't good enough, and then the offense went and did the exact same thing, maybe even worse. So maybe it's the offensive coordinator, maybe it's the players, the playmakers, maybe it's the offensive line, maybe it's all of those things combined where you're not able to have success, you know, with this football team. And if he's saying, "Yeah, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to. I don't want to play to help you all because I'm going to be a free agent, or you're going to cut me after this year, and I want to be able to be healthy and ready to sign wherever I need to go." That's the thing, it's though. Selfish, he though. needs he needs a job, right? It's so he, he should right be now. willing to go back. He'll have a job next year. It'll be a backup. It's somewhere. amazing. It, it, it's it's madness, but I understand his side of it. Is it selfish? It is, but I can understand why he's being selfish. If that's if the reports are true. Yeah, if they are true. I don't know. I don't know if I fully like buy into it. And I want to know where these reports exactly came yeah. from, because it sounds very specific. If you're saying Aaron Rodgers reached out, then to me, it sounds like the source could be Aaron Rodgers, right? Is level, he trying to start yeah, some right, kerfuffle right. going on no, that there? Could, that could be. At, at that level, my hope would be that you have a guy that just wants in the worst way to compete. It's, as bad as things are going for the team, my preference would be to have as a fan of teams, guys who just want to compete in the worst way. I agree. But if you have been disrespected, talked about, beat down, beat up, yeah. both on the field and off the field, you're not jumping back into he that earned, fire he, that he fast. He earned the disrespect. He, he did, but it ain't like they were much better with Tim oh, Boyle no, no, under were. center. No. So yeah, that's <laughs> at the end a, of the day, a, well, I might come back in and be like, ah, I'm back. It is see, me. Hey. I, I got to look at. <laughs> And granted, I think the GM helped bring in Nathaniel Hackett, but now I got to look if I'm the ownership. The GM uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I, I have to look now at the system that they're running because it shouldn't. Should Aaron Rodgers make that much difference that you have one of the worst offenses in the history of the league? Yeah, I mean it would be better. But this is a bad offense. It's a bad scheme, and it's not very talented. So, no, well, and it just feels like Garrett, Garrett Wilson's talented. I just feel like even he's not getting the best right. out of this. It goes back to the O-line and them not being able to do their job, which is seems to be an NFL issue at this point. If you're wanting to protect quarterbacks, as you guys are saying, if you want to protect Zach Wilson, if you want to protect Aaron Rodgers or Boyle, then you need a better O-line. Uh, well, they need a lot. They, they need, I mean, need a, a lot of help. The better O-line is a it, it's, that, There's another thing. I don't know if these offensive linemen that they've drafted in the first round. I know, I know Vera is. Uh, I just call him Elvera. <laughs> uh, but he's hurt. But uh, Mackay Becton should be a better player. The the left tackle should be a better player. I, I saw them be better in college, and for whatever reason, they just aren't advancing mm-hmm. at the pro level. It's time for the fights. Kerry, thanks for winning the fight ah, yesterday. Thank you, sir. I no appreciate problem. that. Yeah, take care, uh, And the fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Tom. Tom, how you doing? Good, Kerry. How are you? Doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Ready as I'll ever be. All right, here we go. Last night, the Rangers became the fifth of the original six NHL teams to hit the 3,000-win threshold. Which franchise is the only one to not pass the mark? Is it the Detroit Red Wings, the Boston Bruins, or the Chicago Blackhawks? Hmm. I'll go with the... Blackhawks. Who leads the current Blues squad with three game-winning goals this season? Is it Jake Neighbors, Pavel Buchnevich, or Robert Thomas? Uh, Buchnevich. When the Steelers went 15-1 in the 2004 season, which quarterback was credited with the sole loss as the starter? Is it Charlie Batch, Ben Roethlisberger, or Tommy Maddox? What was the third one, please? Said it again. Sorry, what was the third choice? Oh, Tommy Maddox. I think I'll go with that one. Which program has the worst loss in college football playoff history by margin? Is it Oklahoma, TCU, or FSU? Uh, I think I think it was TCU against Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. All right. All right, we'll double check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Tom, how you feel? Uh so so. So so, okay. All right. Well, we'll see how so so does for you. You know, Randy Randy had a day off yesterday. He was uh playing golf. He may or may not be dialed in. He usually is though. I don't know. Let's see. He's uh He's pretty dialed in. He's usually he got his grapes coming back in. He's got his Mizzou Tiger. Uh, pull over on, and he's he's ready to rock and roll. Oh, there's my my, my microphone. One of the <laughs> highlights of my existence in this industry is over the course of the last five or so years, uh, John Hewlett has of Casey has worked right next door. Now he's re- retired, semi-retired, mm-hmm. but he's here a lot. And so being able to see you, man, every morning mm-hmm. for uh, the last three almost four years since uh, I've been doing the mornings has been one of the highlights of my career because you man he's awesome you know, he, he he's is. such he a really great is. human being very just kind, one of the nicest very, guys yeah, yeah. He is. so and you have the opportunity to go in and talk sports with him which uh-huh. is pretty good cool morning. I do yes I do it's pretty cool Randy say hello to Tom Tom good morning how you doing I'm good Randy how are you I'm doing great thanks for listening thanks for playing we appreciate it all right Randy you ready ready Last night, the Rangers became the fifth of the original six NHL teams to hit the 3,000-win threshold. Which franchise is the only one to not pass that mark? Okay. Um, The Red Wings had a lot of down years. So I'm saying Bruins have, Leafs have, Rangers have. Um, Canadians definitely have. So now we're to Blackhawks and Red Wings. Um, you know, Chicago went a long time down too. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with the Blackhawks as the one. 
So I'm going to say Canadians, Leafs, Rangers, Bruins, Red Wings. It's a coin flip for me, but the Red Wings did have a stretch there with Howe where they were winning cups, and the Hawks went a long time. Oh, you know what, though? I might... Okay, the Rangers did. Okay, so I'm... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Blackhawks. You know the Rangers went from 1941 to 1994 without winning a Stanley Cup, and now they've gone from 41 to now with only winning one. So mm. that's a, a long time. But if they're there, if they're one of the teams, then I can't count them. So I'm gonna go with Chicago. Who leads the current Blue squad with three game-winning goals this season? On the heels of last night, I'm gonna go with Bucci. I'm gonna go with uh, Pavel Buchnevich. All right. When the Steelers went 15-1 and one in, the, in the 2004 season, which quarterback was credited with the sole loss as a starter? 2004? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with former Ram Tommy Maddox. Final question. Which program has the worst loss in college football playoff history by margin? Uh, I'll do the old lifeline here. Okay. Cincinnati, o- maybe? Go ahead. Oklahoma. TCU or FSU? I'm going to say Oklahoma got drilled a couple of times. Uh, TCU, that was pretty bad last year in the championship game. So this is both semifinals and finals that we're talking? Um, I don't think it was Florida State. Uh, And let's see, I think last year was 58 to something. So lost by 50. But I'm... I'm going to put my money reluctantly on the Oklahoma Sooners. Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. All right, we have a win in an extremely tough fight in this one. Randy Carricker back from vacation. Does he take down Tom or does Tom, our average Joe for the day, walk away with a win on Randy Carricker on this Tuesday? Ring that Bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Congratulations, Tom. You beat Randy Carricker and you had to hit the jack Ooh. to do it, and you did. You got four Impressive. correct to beat Randy Carricker four to three today. Nicely done, sir. Wow, thanks. Impressive. <laughs> he seems pretty shocked about it. Let's go through those questions. Let's go through those answers. Last night, the Rangers became the fifth of the original six NHL teams to hit the 3,000-win threshold. It is, in fact, the Chicago Blackhawks, just under the 2,900 mark, who are lagging behind. The current uh, leader of the Blues squad with three game-winning goals is, in fact, Pablo Buchnevich after last night. Tommy Maddox went 2-1 and one for the Pittsburgh Steelers in that 2004 season. Uh, ben Roethlisberger credited with going 13-0. and 0. Ironically enough, the one loss, Maddox starts, gets knocked out. Roethlisberger takes takes over and that's the one game they do lose and which program has the worst loss in college football playoff history by margin it was in fact last season when when TCU got drilled by 58 before that it, it was FSU in the very first semifinal ever played when they lost by 39 so a 4-3 win for Tom in today's fight Tom we will talk to you tomorrow thank you so much for joining the fight today all right, thank you, guys. Thank you, Tom. Tom yeah. with us on The Fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to visit uh, a late visit with our buddy John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues, home from Vegas, where the Blues won last night. J.K. next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Davis with the game winner for the Blues last night in Vegas as the Blues knock off the Stanley Cup champs in overtime by a score of 2-1 to one with Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker and we go to the celebrity line now and our friend, the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, kind enough to join us and get up early after uh, making his way home. JK, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Randy? Everything is outstanding and what an outstanding performance by the Blues last night from start to finish. Yeah, it was it was a really good hockey game and, and both goaltenders were you know, really solid, you know, especially the first two periods. I think after two periods, Randy, the odd man rushes were 5-5. So both teams had a ton of chances. Um, In particular, Bennington really had his poke check working really well and made a couple of breakaway saves. His best save was on his former teammate, Ivan Barbashev, on that, you know, one-timer from just outside the goal crease area with his right pad. So it was a really well-played game. I thought the Blues settled down in the third period, even though they gave up the game-tying goal on the power play, um, I thought they played a, a better, you know, defensive period in the third um, and obviously got the win in overtime. But, it, you know, to beat the cup champions like that in Vegas, um, really good. And obviously you come home with a one-on-one road trip. Yeah, a huge performance, as you mentioned there, and also a huge performance by Jordan Bennington. That, do you think, was Jordan Bennington's best performance since when? Uh, well, he had a shutout this year, right? I'm trying to look back and remember when it was off the top of my head. But, you know, I think it was it was one of his top three performances, no no question, maybe top two. Um, you know, even last his last game prior to that against Buffalo, he, he faced 46 shots and gave up four goals. One of them was late, and the Blues won 6-4. He was great in that game, and um, he's now won three of his last four starts. So, I think overall, he had maybe one stretch for, you know, I don't know, a week or so, um, a couple of weeks ago where he wasn't quite as sharp. But for the most part, he has been razor sharp all season long and has had a really good year. JK, can you talk to us about the, the maturation of some of these younger players? You saw Alexandrov getting time. Torpchenko got a goal standing in front of the net. Jake Neighbors, we've seen what he's been doing. How, how well have these younger, younger players been playing this season? Well, they've done a good job, and, you know, Torp saved it out with five goals. So, um, you know, that's impressive. And, you know, at times he doesn't get a ton of ice time, doesn't see the power play, stuff like that. And I thought Alexandrov played his best game of the season last year. He hasn't played a lot and, you know, has sat for long stretches. I think at one point didn't play for 12 games. Um, it, that's hard on any player. I don't care if you're a rookie or a 10-year veteran not to play. So the one thing about Alexandrov that I really – uh, like to watch is is how smart of a player he is. Um, he, you know, center iceman. He 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 reads the play really well. Um, is pretty good defensively. And you know, we haven't seen much offense from him yet. Um, but but that could come. Who knows? Um, you know, sometimes it takes younger players, you know, a couple of years to emerge and to, de- to develop that. So um, I think it's great. And you've got to develop your young players because you know it's a four line game now. And, you know, the veterans need some help. And, and these young guys have done a good job. And obviously, Neighbors with seven goals in his last nine games, his numbers speak for themselves. So 
it's good to see. John, for the last three years, ever since Alex Petrangelo left, we as a a Blues fan base have kind of asked Colton Pareko to do things that just aren't in his DNA. I I thought last night was the perfect example of what Colton Pareko can be. that, That to me is... That that's top shelf Colton Pareko right there. I thought he played really well. He gave the Blues almost 26 minutes. What were your thoughts about him last night? Yeah, he played a great game. He really did. He was he was dangerous in the offensive zone. You know, got the assist on the first goal. Uh, had a ton of chances. You know, killed plays in his own zone. He's skating so well. You know, I I really think without question he's playing as well as he ever has, and, and that includes the run in 19 when he was with Bowmeister playing against the top pairing every single night. Um, you know, people, you know, they look at Petrangelo and, you know, he's, he's a great player and, and was a great player with the Blues. But the facts are, in 19 of the playoffs, it was Pareko and Bomeister who most nights got the tough assignment of, of the best line going that night for the opposition. So he's a top defenseman and, and had some injury problems. And I think last year he lost some confidence. Uh, but for whatever reason... He, he's found his game, and there aren't many right shooting defensemen that are six, you know, six six like him, that can do what he can do. And he, he's been a he's been a determined, really top fight flight player for the Blues this year. Obviously, the season has just been up and down, up and down for the Blues. Why is it though that they are twelve and zero when they score first, and how can they just continue to build off of that? Yeah, I just think it's it's a quirk. Uh, Brooke, it's it's one of those things that you really can't explain it. Um, I know last year when the Blues fell behind and they would tend to give up goals in bunches. And for the most part, they've cut that down. I know that, you know, they gave up three goals the other night in Arizona in the first period. But the Blues have been a more resilient team. Um, but having said that, it's a strange year in that only one game this season has there been a lead change in a game. And that was that uh, Wednesday game in Arizona when the Blues won 6-5. I mean, one game all year, we're past the quarter pole where there's been a lead change. I don't know. I, I just think it's a statistical oddity, and there's not a whole lot to it that the fact that the Blues have not lost when scoring first and have not lost when leading after two periods. Um, that's great to see that, you know, they've, they've checked well and, and held leads. But as far as scoring the first goal, um, and not losing, that's that's sort of something that I just can't explain. I really can't. J.K., can you talk to us about Jordan Cairo? He he has only four goals this season. Uh, at this time last year, you think he had around 10. He hasn't been as glaring as we've talked about in the past defensively, so that's better, but, but just not scoring the goals. Is there a little bit of frustration setting in for him? Well, I, I think that I don't. You'd have to ask Jordan that. Obviously, you know, if, if he's frustrated, obviously he wants to score goals. He had what thirty-seven goals last year. Um, I thought he played a really good game last night. He had a ton of chances and was skating really well, and and you know did a lot of good things. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for Jordan when you know he's not scoring is the fact that he passes up shots, and he he's always been. If you look at his numbers in, in junior hockey. He's always been an assist guy first, more than a goal scorer. And that's just the way he is. Um, if he's on a on a three-on-two, and he admitted to me that he'd, he'd rather make a nice assist than score a goal, um, he, he looks pass first. Um, but he, he does shoot the puck at times, and he's got a great shot. I'd like to see him shoot more and be more selfish. But I, I do think that last night he played a strong game. And, you know, I think overall – 
for the most part, he he's worked really hard and is better defensively. He still has turnovers and things like that, but all players do. I mean, there aren't many perfect hockey players, right? We know that. So, um, but I, I think the biggest thing is he, when he when he's not scoring, he's he's got to continue to shoot because he's got a great shot. So you know, don't fall into the trap of because you're not scoring, try to overpass. And that's the thing with me is that even though he's a great passer. He, he tends to overpass at times, and I, he, I think he should be a bit more selfish shooting the puck. John Kelly, thanks so much for getting up with us this morning. I, I know it was a short night. We really appreciate it. And uh, let's get him against Vegas tomorrow night here at home. Yeah, should be another great game. That was a heck of a game last night, and we'll see if the Blues can do it again. All right, J.K., take care. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the Blues win last night over Vegas. They play Vegas again tomorrow. And then they've got a stretch where they play the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks coming up. Uh, the, the Blues are going to be playing three of the bottom five teams in the league in their next five games. In uh, the Blackhawks, the uh, Senators, and the Blue Jackets. They also get Detroit. They're playing very well and obviously Vegas tomorrow. But what the Blues need to do is move above that playing to the level of the competition because they know they're better than Columbus and uh, Chicago and uh, Ottawa. So if the Blues can take care of business over the next five here, uh, they can still be in the playoff hunt. And as we speak right now, Blues hold the last wild card position in the NHL's Western Conference. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, coming up our Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 904 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and it is time for the Rush Hour Reset. If you're just getting into your car and you weren't up late last night, the Blues came away with a victory. A 1-1 game in Vegas in overtime, and this happened. Butchnevich is going to take it over the line. Blues will make the change. Butchnevich sends it back to Robert Thomas at the blue line. Stick handles through some trouble, gets it to Butchnevich, drives, he scores! Bring out the Zamboni! An overtime game winner for Butchnevich! And the Blues defeat the Knights 2-1! And so the Blues move to 12-0 and on the season when they score first. The only team in the league, by the way, that has won every game in which they've scored first. Why is this happening, Craig Berube? Yeah, we feel real good when we score first, that's for sure. I mean, um, you know, we, we haven't done a great job when we haven't scored first uh, so far this year. And that's something we've got to improve upon and correct. Um, but when we have the lead, we play confident and, um, you know, we just we keep coming. We keep coming. You know, that's, that's the key. Keep coming. Pretty good. Right now, the Blues in the second wild card spot in the NHL Western Conference. For them. I mean, last night was a really good win, right? Because Mm -hmm. of who you were playing, where you were playing, um, the effort, the energy that you showed. Now do it again. Like, I I think that's just the coach and former player. Just do it again. Like, if you show me you can do something once, then I'm going to assume that you can do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So do it again. I like the idea. You get the <laughs> same team sense. tomorrow at home. <laughs> exactly. So is this where they can kind of break that up and down, up and down that we've seen? Because you're facing the same guys. I don't know. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. Brett. I don't know. This is, this is how you have playoffs that go seven games because 
you never know who's going to win and what you team is going to show never up. Know. <laughs> no. Never know. No. And Jordan Bennington, that that was such a great performance. I agree with what J.K. said earlier, that that had to have been one of his top three performances. And we always talk about every season, are we going to get the 2019 version of Jordan Bennington? And I feel like he showed that last mm-hmm. night. He was just solid. And you hope that he can continue to do that. And I do agree, some people texted in earlier when we were talking about this, it shouldn't all be on Jordan Bennington. But if you need a superstar right now, I think Jordan Jordan Bennington can fit that bill. Absolutely. Blues and Golden Knights tomorrow. Pre-game at 7, is that right? Yep. Okay, uh, 8 o'clock game tomorrow night. Yes, it is an 8 o'clock game. Uh, on uh, 101 ESPN. This just in from Pat, Pat Forty, of, who's a real guy for Sports Illustrated. Sometimes. He's a real guy. Sometimes He's a real boy. Real yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't boy. happen at SI. Sometimes you have little AI-generated people. You don't know. Uh, 40, 40, I'm still going to say it. He tweets, uh, amid increased conference and camp- campus leadership efforts to spur congressional action on NIL legislation, NCAA President Charlie Baker is expected to introduce new athlete compensation proposals to association member schools today, according to SI. And he says, Charlie Baker, in his letter to schools, quote, we need to make several fundamental changes. First, we should make it possible for all Division I colleges and universities to offer student-athletes any level of enhanced educational benefits they deem appropriate. Second, rules should change for any Division I school at their choice to enter into name, image, likeness, licensing opportunities with student-athletes. Right now, schools are supposed to be apart from paying the players. And Charlie Baker, the head of the NCAA, now saying that schools should be able to enter into an NIL with players directly. Um, mm, my question would be, what what role do the schools have in terms of what what financial gain do they get from that if they are involved in the NIL deals of these young men and women? Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be the main question because it feels as though the NCAA is on the outside looking in on these NIL deals, and there's a lot of money being passed around for young men and women that are, are playing these sports. And maybe the and maybe the, the NCAA wants to have their hand as, in a part of that. That's the way mm-hmm. it feels, right? He, he writes, Baker does, these two changes will enhance the financial opportunities available to all Division I student-athletes. They will also help, help level what is fast becoming a very unlevel playing field between men and women student-athletes because schools will be required to abide by existing gender equity regulations as they make investments in their athletic programs. And I, I am all for people in non-revenue sports, men and women, to get as much as they can. But what I do think is that the the way NIL works now is at the essence, at the core of the American economic system. It's literally supp- supply and demand. Mm-hmm. And again, with, with all due respect to the women's volleyball players, who I love their athleticism and the way they, the, they approach their sport, but they aren't playing in a sport that's generating $7 billion right. for... Uh, an entity like football is again all due respect because i respect all the athletes but there are some that are playing revenue sports and some that aren't and to me the ones that are playing revenue sports and are generating revenue should be entitled to more revenue and you should get that's why nil works is because you get what you are worth to 
the industry. Yes. Yeah. I think another part of NIL, to your point, and when you're talking about volleyball players, I think we get so hyper-focused on these, you know, big deals that we hear about with football players. And of course, as you mentioned, they are going to be the higher revenue because it's the sport that more people mm-hmm. are paying attention to. There's no doubt about that. But NIL, I feel like gets villainized in a lot of ways, but it's also opened the doors for players like volleyball players, for soccer, mm-hmm. different things like that may not be the bigger sport on campus because for the first time, those players can actually use their name, image, and likeness. Say they want to host a volleyball camp. They can actually use their name, image, and likeness now and have that association where you can go and get a camp. There's a lot of other benefits that are more than just this big, giant, you see that quarterback's making a million dollars and everybody's like, oh, that's a, that's a terrible thing. There's more opportunities that is opened up for all players. And Brooke, to your point, the Cavender twins who were at Fresno yes. State and moved mm-hmm. to Miami, Two years ago, I don't know if it, if, if it was this way last year, but two years ago, they and a gymnast, Olivia Dunn at mm-hmm. LSU, mm-hmm. were the highest grossing NIL participants. It wasn't football Angel players. Reese. Right. Yeah. It, it, was, it was people that used their creativity in the social media outlet to generate dollars, and they generated through creativity and hard work tons of money for themselves mm-hmm. it's it's what it's the, the the right way to do things you should be able to make the money you 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 deserve based mm-hmm. on your skill set based on what you're able to do and there should be no issue with it whatsoever no and that's for me this horse is out of the barn and i think what the ncaa is doing first of all i think you're right carrie that they've got to have their hands in the financial yes. bucket that's what it is at some point right yeah and they had the chance. They could have settled with Ed O'Bannon years ago. Ed O'Bannon started all of this because he was playing a video game where he was playing as himself in a yep. video game, was getting nothing for it. Mm-hmm. His, his, he might have even been on the cover of the game. Yep. I'm not sure. I think he was. Uh, and so he's playing as himself as a UCLA basketball player, but seeing not a dime from it. For how many so, games were being right, sold. Right. We, so, we all were. We all yeah, were yeah, on that yeah, NCAA yeah, football game. Get nothing for it. Not a dime. And so the NCAA could have settled, and, and it wasn't Baker's fault, the new head of the NCAA, but it is the NCAA's fault that this horse is out of the barn. Yeah. And again, what will happen is if he tries to implement this, another player will go back to the Supreme Court and the NCAA will be shot down again. So I think it's time for the NCAA to just deal with reality that you are really a non-entity entity at this point. Mm-hmm. I agree. So. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Trevor Lawrence hurt last night in the Jaguars' <laughs> loss, but we don't know the, the severity of the injury. He'll have an uh, MRI high later ankle today. sprain, right? That's what they're thinking. A couple yeah. weeks, at least. At least, yeah, my, maybe for the year. Yeah, you pay your left tackles, man. Don't get pushed back into the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, get a left tackle. Well, they, they took a left tackle in the first oh, round who isn't playing. Yeah, uh, that's your Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, we're going to talk to college football analyst for 24-7, former St. Louis area coach and a childhood friend of Kerry Davis. Carl Reed joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. To, to, to me, this, this is a travesty to the sport because we go out there on the field and we play the game. And regardless of whether it looks good at the quarterback position, regardless of whether we win with offense, whether we win with defense, the name of the game is to win. And that's a reason never before has this not been done. Winning a Power 5 conference, going undefeated, and not getting into the playoff. So I, I understand we want to look at style points and who are we going to get for the best matchups. But that's not what this is about. This is about understanding to get the four best teams. That is Booger McFarland talking about the 
elimination of Florida State from the group of four that wind up going to the championship, and Alabama makes it. Texas makes it. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, and we go to the celebrity line now, and Carl Reed, uh, an epic coach in the St. Louis area, now an analyst for CBS Sports, joins us on 101 ESPN. Uh, Carl, always good to have you with us on the show. How are you doing this morning? Oh, it's always good to be here, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. Now, I, I didn't warn my partners here that you are an SEC homer, so I, I know how this conversation <laughs> is going to go when you have the Alabama team making it into the playoffs where I particularly don't feel that they should have. Florida State undefeated, Alabama one-loss team. Tell me your thoughts about it. Although I know, tell everyone else your thoughts, please. <laughs> well, you know, Kerry, there's no way that you're going to lead the SEC out of the playoffs. That There, there was no scenario – whether it's viewed as right or wrong, where the SEC champion, a one-loss Alabama, was going to get left out of the playoffs. And I, I can see it coming down the stretch. The only thing that could have changed it is if Travis was not hurt for Florida State. That would have made it a different conversation. But with him being hurt and the way Florida State has looked offensively, since he's been down, there was no way that Alabama was going to be left out of the playoffs. Now, you, you go by Coach Reed, so I know you, you were a coach at one point, so you understand the, the basics of football. There are three phases in football. <laughs> you got offense, you got defense, and you got special teams. And that Florida State team defensively and special teams is an elite team. They played extremely well all season long. They beat an LSU team earlier in the season, beat the, beat the brakes off them, 45-24. to 24. So this is a team playing on their third-string quarterback, a freshman, true freshman, their second-string quarterback, more than likely would be back for a playoff run had they been allowed to make it. Yeah, you, you're definitely right. There are three phases to the game, but there's a fourth phase, too, and it's called business. Somebody that played in the National Football League like yourself should understand <laughs> right? And nobody wants to watch Florida's second or third string quarterback play against Michigan, and that's just the, that's just the truth. That's the nature of it, and it's unfortunate. I actually picked Florida State at the beginning of the season to win the national championship. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Coach Novell, but I knew that as soon as he went down, that it was going to be ugly for him if those other quarterbacks didn't play well. Now, if the backup quarterbacks had played extremely well and they did not miss a beat offensively, I do think Florida State still would have got in. Coach Reed, I was just laughing over here because I know that that really stung. We were talking about that yesterday. Carrie and I were going back and forth, and you and I, both SEC fans, because as you know, it just means more. Do you think that the committee, (laughs) (laughs) Carrie hates this conversation so much right now. Now, I think that they made the right decisions, and obviously you think that Alabama was the right choice, but is there any of the other choices that you were questioning or liked? No, I think that that was the clear choice. I think it was the co- the correct choice. And Brooke, you right, Carrie does hate it, but it does mean more. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys a story of how much more it means, okay? Because I, in in what was it, Carrie? It was 2000, 2001. Illinois, Carrie was playing for Illinois. They had a we great. Don't, team. We don't have to bring that up. So we're going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> they, they won the Big Ten. And so I was a student and a college football player at Austin Peay State University in, t- in the state of Tennessee, and I was sitting down with all my, ki- my college teammates, and we were about to watch my boy, Kerry Davis, in <laughs> Illinois play in the Sugar Bowl. And I'm in there telling everybody, man, my, my guy is going to get busy. Illinois is going to get busy against LSU tonight. And LSU 
pulled Illinois' pants down and took the belt off and beat him like he stole something in the Sugar Bowl, right? I lost a bunch of money betting that night, and Kerry still have not paid me back. And he's made enough money to pay me back, right? But if anybody knows that it just means more in the SEC, it's definitely that guy sitting in the studio with you. It's ridiculous, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, listen, what, what happened from the top row. in 2001 has no nothing to do with what's going on right now. Mm. <laughs> so listen, what, what, it does, what it does have to do with, though, that the SEC has just kept running out national championships and big game bowl wins. It's just the truth about the truth. It's why the people in the great state of Missouri decided that being in the SEC was necessary. Hey, Carl, of the of the four finalists, who's the best team? Alabama. And what makes them better than Michigan, better than Washington, uh, better than uh, Texas? They're the only team that has a, that has a complete team. They can win in the passing game. They can win running the ball. They have a dynamic quarterback. But I don't think anybody has a player like Defensively, they have four guys on the defense that will be first-round picks. I, I think that they have the best coach that we've ever had in college football. And in and, and those situations, he has just proven time and time again that he's really, really tough to beat in those situations. I want to shift gears a little bit because yesterday you had uh, your transfer palooza, uh, mm-hmm. which you couldn't join us yesterday because you were talking about all the transfer portal, uh, you know, people that are going in and coming out. What are your thoughts on that right now and how that's going for college football? You got Kyle McCord from from Ohio State, the starting quarterback, deciding to enter the transfer portal before the bowl game even takes place. What are your thoughts on on the state of college football and transfer portal? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's turning into a complete business. Kyle McCord, Ryan Day said in his Cotton Bowl press conference, he would not commit to Kyle McCord as the starter in the Cotton Bowl against the University of Missouri. And 24 hours later, McCord goes in the transfer portal. A lot of pressure on those guys because they haven't beat Michigan. Imagine going 11-1 and and you lose to Michigan and everybody wants you fired. Everybody wants the quarterback gone. And so Ohio State is going to be in the market. Cam Ward is a guy that, that they're going to be talking to as well as Dante Moore. So, um, and, and what's the kid from the Riley Leonard is another guy whose name came up in the conversation yesterday. So if you're a college, if you're a high school football player right now, what I would tell you is that you have to really look at what's in front of you and understand how much of a business this is. If you go to a school and you don't play well, or you don't play up the standard, there is going to be changes and they're, and they're going to be immediate and sudden. And so I'm still surprised by going into year five of this, how many players are unprepared for the business part of it when the example is consistently getting put in your face over and over again. Coach Reed, I know that you are a big fan of Mizzou and everything that Eli Drinkwitz has accomplished this season. What do you think about Mizzou facing Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl? Well, I think that the matchup is going to come down to a couple of things. Um, I don't know who's playing. Is Marvin Harrison going to play in the bowl game? I think that's a big decision that still has yet to be made. Obviously, Ohio State starting quarterback is not going to be there playing. So they could potentially be shorthanded, which would make the University of Missouri the favorite. But I think that Mizzou is in rarefied air in terms of getting able to play in the Cotton Bowl after a 10-win season. I think it would definitely be a, a huge momentum for their program to get a win over Ohio State. And it also helps with recruiting because Ohio State recruits a lot in St. Louis. It's a place they come to consistently to get kids 
four-star receiver at CBC, Jeremiah McClellan, is committed to Ohio State. It can help Mizzou tremendously in recruiting if they find a way to beat Ohio State, even if they're shorthanded. Hey, Carl, uh, Mizzou obviously is going to lose both Cody Schrader and Nate Pete. Do, do, two-part question. Do they have a running back on the roster to replace those guys? and Or is there a running back in the portal, or will there be a running back in the portal that could be uh, a replacement for a guy like Schrader? They are very, very excited about Jamal Roberts. A young guy um, came out of St. Mary's High School that has a bright future ahead of him. But they are definitely going to be in the transfer portal looking for an impact running back. You got to, at that level, you got to have two and maybe even three guys who can play. Cody Schrader, a guy who can play every down as anomaly carrier, tell you that's old school football where you got a three down back that plays every down. Um, he's very rare. You got to have some guys in there nowadays that can share the load. It's always good to hear your voice, and uh, it's great to hear your opinions. Even though Kerry is kind of frowning yeah, about your opinions, man, I don't like it. He knows I don't like. He knows I don't like his opinions. We texted as soon as the the, the Bama game was over. He's like, "Oh, Bama's in." I'm like, "Ah, get the hell out of here! You don't know what you're talking about." And so then he texts me the next morning. I told you that Bama was in. Right. You don't have to text me in that man madness, the nonsense, man. <laughs> Yeah, listen, man. Listen, I know that you're a Big Ten fanatic. You played in the Big Ten. You had a great career there. A lot of people don't know for your listeners because he's not going to talk about himself. State champion in high school, Hazelwood Central. Big Ten champion at the University of Illinois. Super Bowl champion at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was just a, a great player, great teammate, and has always been a great friend. But he is wrong about this. <laughs> you buttered him up. You buttered him up for that. Uh, he is wrong about this. No, but um, you know, I, I from a business standpoint, I, I talked to Coach Prime about this yesterday on on my show. Um, they there was no way the SEC would be left out. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's that, that's why we have the playoff is so that the SEC can show off. I mean, the SEC's won four in a row and seven out of nine, right? You, you can't leave the, the the champion pretty much every year out of out of the mix. You're exactly right, Carl. And a $3 billion television rights deal with Disney. Yep. Come on, man. Exactly. <laughs> Carl, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And if we don't speak to you before Christmas, happy holidays. I thank you guys. Thank you very much. Carl Reed, who uh, was one of the great high school coaches in our area and now is a great analyst for CBS Sports, joining us on 101 ESPN. And by the way, uh, there will be running backs. Even though they, when you look at the transfer portal rankings, you don't see running backs. You see quarterbacks all over the place and receivers. Uh, but there will be running backs for Mizzou in the portal. And I would think Mizzou will be an attractive place now based on what Cody Schrader did as a transfer. Yeah, yeah you're mm-hmm. going to get some guys that are intrigued about their offense and how well they run it. You know, it, at every position, that's the one thing with winning that helps. I mean, when you open, when you get into the transfer portal, you're looking at schools that are having success and have an opportunity to maybe win a conference championship or make it to a conference championship game. And Mizzou, it, right now, is right there in that light. So that that is a good landing spot for some of these guys in the transfer portal. Coming up, the the Cardinals are down in Nashville for the winter meetings. We'll talk about some of the rumors floating around the Redbirds next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You're right, Randy. With a bad back, you shouldn't be playing second base because you have to bend over a lot. What Gorman needs to be is the DH. 
that's the only position that they should have him or else trade him. Thank you, Janet. Can't disagree with that. It's hard to uh, bend over when your back is sore. And if there is a chronic back condition for Nolan Gorman, mm-hmm. and the, the, there are people within the organization who think that that very well could be the case, then maybe the move to make is to either move him or make him your designated hitter, which, by the way, you have. He, he can be your DH, and I would guess that if the Cardinals go to war with what they have right now on their roster, I would think that Gorman would be their designated hitter for most of 2024. Wouldn't you think? I think so. I think he's um, I, mean, I think he's a really good baseball player. I think when healthy, if he's able to stay healthy. The, the one thing that scares me and should scare most people about back injuries, I, I told you all I had, I was dealing with back issues for a while, and um, he didn't do it. I was dealing with back issues for a while, and, and so... <laughs> About so, a week back? Yeah, about a week back. And so You know the, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But I went to a doctor, and the doctor literally told me, this is a back specialist who does a surgeon, who does back surgeries, and he told me, if you have back issues, the worst thing you can do is have back surgery. Mm-hmm. This is a surgeon telling me this because it's a 50-50 chance that it could be great or it could be really bad. But constant back issues really impact everything that you do so you know whether it's swinging obviously like Janice said bending down and fielding ground ground balls you don't want to to have those lingering issues so he has to figure out a way and all of the guys that have had injuries to their backs obliques figure out a way to strengthen your core make sure you're ready to to do all of the physical necessities of playing that position playing that sport hopefully it's not something that lingers or, or carries with him for the remainder of his career. But if it is, it, it can be an, it can be problematic. Now let's talk about left-handed hitters because the Cardinals, according to Derek Gould, have drawn interest from other teams for both Dylan Carlson and Alec Burleson. But it may seem pretty clear from John Mozeliak on MLB Network that the Cardinals are going to part ways with Tyler O'Neill. It doesn't seem like there's any question that he will not be a member of the Cardinals on opening day. Yeah, I think he made that about crystal clear, Randy. Um, mm-hmm. I think clear as possible that they're going to be moving on from Tyler O'Neill. I think it would be absolutely crazy if he's still here uh, by February. But I think looking at the other things he mentioned, Lars Newtbar. Tommy Edmond, and then Jordan Walker solidifying uh, your outfield. And then you're going to have Dylan Carlson be that fourth outfielder. And just going back to at-bats for guys, how do you kind of see things panning out with Wilson Contreras and Yvonne Herrera? And even do we think that, because we saw it last season with Paul Goldschmidt where he wasn't starting as much, how will this all kind of pan out if Nolan Gorman isn't going to be playing that much at second base or isn't going to be your second baseman because you're going to have Brendan Donovan? How will these at-bats kind of play play out for the DH position. You're going to play the guy that you paid $85 million to to play catcher. That's what you signed him up for, right? So he's going to be, well, be your Well, that didn't really matter last catcher. season, right? <laughs> I mean, and we saw how, how that went kind of haywire when they when they said they were going to play him at DH or decide to play him in the outfield. I think Wilson Contreras is going to be your everyday catcher, and you know he'll play 130, 125 games, so 100, 115 games, and then Herrera will get the rest mm-hmm. of those. I would think it'll be a lot like it was in 2004 when Yadier Molina came up. And Yadier didn't come up until May, but he played in 51 games, had 151 played appearances. And Matheny that year played in 122, had 419. I would think it'd probably be a 3-1 to split in terms of at-bats for Contreras over uh, Herrera. And it might 
change based upon whether or not the Cardinals have a catching instructor to improve his game. At the moment, the Cardinals in their organization do not have a catching instructor. So is Herrera just going to get good by sitting on the bench? I don't think no. so. So it would be nice to have somebody around to help him on a daily basis. But I, I, I would think that would be the split between those those two catchers. And then I, I would say that uh, when Contreras is off, he'll he'll be off. Unless, unless there's a – here's one thing they can do. If you've got a tough lefty pitcher that you don't want Gorman to face, then you can have Herrera catch and Contreras be your designated hitter. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's just, it's very interesting on how this will all kind of play out and what their plan is exactly for those other positions. Because I do agree, and I'm glad that this is the plan moving forward of really solidifying, barring injuries, really solidifying these positions for each player. But at the same time, there's a lot of other question marks of who will be playing for how much time at each position, looking at the DH position, looking at catcher because we saw it happen last season where they were comfortable with moving Wilson Contreras around despite the contract. So mm-hmm. it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. And hopefully they kind of learned a lesson from that. You don't need to move people around and you got to get people roles. You've got to get them into a comfort zone and you got to put your best group of players on the field to win games. At the end of the day, give your team the best opportunity to win every day with a certain group of players. And this doesn't mean that you don't use whoever, Burleson or Carlson, because you you also need to keep people fresh for the stretch run. But if the Cardinals go through the season and Newbar is healthy and plays 130 and Edmund is healthy and plays 130 and Walker is healthy and plays 140 and Arenado and Goldie both play 130 and Mason Wynn plays 130 and Donovan plays 130 and then you have the catcher split like we talked about, maybe 100 for 110 for Contreras and 54 Herrera. I, I like that. I think that's a great way to go. On your list of things that, that bothered you most last season, whether it be starting pitching, the inability to get things done, the bullpen, the the rotation of players playing out of position or playing a different position every single day or different batting different spots in the lineup. For me, it's the the the, the lineup and the, the, the spots in the field. That was the one thing, early, especially early in the season, that drove me crazy. Which one would be the thing that drove you all the most crazy about last season? Well, the fact that they were playing people out of position and that led to a dramatic drop-off in defensive efficiency, their Mm -hmm. fundamentals were horrible, in large part because players hadn't played the positions that they were playing. There was no need to move people around. The Cardinals were trying to copy what the Dodgers used to do when they moved Muncie around all the time and Kike Hernandez was playing all over the place. But they they didn't have those players to do that. They were trying to to have players do something they were not capable of doing. And frankly, it was just stupid. Uh, you, you've got to put players in their best position to win, and I don't think the Cardinals did that on defensive on the de- from a defensive standpoint last year. So hopefully they'll be able to fix that this year. I'd have to agree. I think that that was the most frustrating part because you play the fundamentals into that. Because if you're moving guys around in positions and positions that they're not fully comfortable in, and it's changing almost every single day to game to game, then you're going to have those lapses in the fundamentals because mm-hmm. they're just trying to figure out what they're doing today. And so I think that, that was a big issue. And you can't have that happen this season. I mentioned this earlier with Lance Lynn and Miles Michaelis because at the end of the day, they are just very high, fly ball heavy. So mm-hmm. you have to have a very secure and strong defense behind them. And by the way, the Cardinals were dragged down dramatically 
by the inability, not inability, inefficiency of Jordan Walker to play an effective outfield last year. Yes. He, the ability is definitely there, but and we've we visited the reasons why he was ineffective last year. It was just complete it was malpractice on the part of the organization to not play him in the outfield in 2022 in the minor leagues. They so, didn't, yeah, they didn't move him and or get him reps there until they moved Harrison Bader. Right. So hopefully those are situations that can be solved and those players will be better if they play every day. Not many rumors floating around about the Cardinals though. receiving interest in the lefty hitters. O'Neill probably gone and still looking for relief pitching. And if they could get a frontline starter, they would get him. Hey, you can join in the holiday spirit by helping 101 ESPN support Operation Food Search throughout the month of December. We partnered with STL Shirt Company to offer a special 101 ESPN online merch store this month, offering 101 ESPN t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. Plus, we brought back some of your favorite designs, including the Dunk t-shirts, Be Patient shirts, and Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson jerseys. Order any 101 ESPN swag during the month of December, and proceeds from all sales will go to support Operation Food Search here in St. Louis. Visit the 101 ESPN online merch store now at 101ESPN.com, powered by McBride Homes. We've got rock and roll coming your way, including a Cardinal ticket giveaway next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock today. Fascinating, the Rizzuto Show, battling in the Pick'em Challenge all football season long, and you can join Carrie and learn from 105.7 The Point on Thursday at Helen Fitzgerald's from 6 to 8 p.m. Watch Thursday Night Football with Carrie and learn. Get signed up for a 101 ESPN and Point giveaways and enjoy a cold Bud Light. It's Thursday from 6 to 8. Carrie and learn at Helen Fitzgerald on South Lindbergh. The Football Pick'em Challenge is refreshed by Bud Light. Learn more at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Did you know about this, or did I just tell you? No, I knew about it. No, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know how I did, though. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? Who, who's doing what? When, when, and why? Yeah, I didn't know about what? that. What? Here. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. And Surprise. Uh, tis the season of giving, and 101 ESPN wants to give you free Cardinal tickets. Here's what you need to do. You can score a Cardinal holiday gift pack of tickets, and here's how you can do it. Here is Matthew Rocchio. We have to finish out the first round of the grab bag giveaway topics. Mm-hmm. There's only two of them left, and I'm going to let Carrie finish off it with, with just one of the two. And so what Carrie has to do over the next 30 seconds is he has to name all of the countries in South America. you got a whole continent to work with, Carrie, and you got to name all the countries in South America. you got about a dozen to work with. So the question is, in 30 seconds, how many out of those dozen countries can Carrie Davis name? Are you a geography guy, Carrie? Uh, a little bit. And te- people <laughs> need to text in, and what do they need to do? They need to guess how many carries going to get in 30 seconds. So he's not really a geography guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't get more of a head start on this than he usually gets. So out of about a dozen, how many can carry get? Hey, listen, we're gonna be. Like, I'm gonna be transparent, all right? Like really, he's like Jeez. really setting yeah. this up. I, I told him. I said, think about Latin baseball players. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> and then we're, the winner, the person that's closest to the number of countries that carry gets, gets a Cardinals Cubs ticket pack. The five game pack features tickets to five weekend games next season to see the Cardinals host the Cubs. Cards Cubs pack along with all the Cardinal holiday ticket packs are on sale now with some starting at just $55. Learn more about Cardinals holiday ticket packs at 101ESPN.com. All right. All right, Carrie, you ready? Sorry, I got attacked by something. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one, go. (laughs) Peru, Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, Venezuela, 
Oh man, I just forgot them that fast. Whew, what am I missing? Argentina, Venezuela, Peru. Yeah, that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah, did I say Colombia? You, you did, did yes. Okay, well, I might be did out you of say gas. Argentina? Argentina. I said Argentina, right? Argentina. Panama. Panama. Panamanian strongman? Does that South America? It counts. No. It counts. It does. Does. does that count? It does. Oh, I'm, helping. I'm helping a little here. Wait, we I don't got know five seconds left either. I don't know anything else. <laughs> Is that all you got? I got six. No, there's got to be. Hold on. How much time do we have left here? Okay. Or what am I whichever missing? way you want to look at it, you got whichever six. Way you, want to look you got six. What the, am I missing? <laughs> you missed uh, Bolivia, Bolivia, Chile, Ecuador, Guyana, Uruguay, and those and Trinidad and Tobago and Suriname. Trinidad and Tobago is in South America. It's a, it's both of South America? Them. Both of them. Both of them are. Actually, Suriname and, and Guiana, French Guiana, are, are the ones. French, French and Dutch Guiana are the other ones you missed. <laughs> so you got six How did you miss of that? the I dozen. Know. I don't know. How did you Bolivia, miss that? Yeah. People, 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 people had high expectations. Have a, people a were saying fun Google. So one time, I don't know what the reason was, but the USA attacked Guyana. Yes. Was that in the Reagan administration? Who take care of We did. Oh, did we really? Yeah. We we beat the hell out of him in a day. We don't oh, have to. Shocking. Okay. Yeah. Shocking. Uh, yeah, let's see. Flexing our muscles. Well, if we're going to talk about this. Never mind. I'm not going to. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Let's no avoid those to. topics. Yeah. Fine. It was a long let's time ago. Anyways, I had a really good week last week. Oh, yeah. And so, did, and so did the people of Chile. Where did you go? Chile. Oh, I mean, I, I was in Cabo, but Henry Kissinger died, so it was a good week. Hank. Oh, wow. All right. Um, we're going to talk about so, uh, we're going to talk about other weird topics invasions. Do we have left well, in the last one, few minutes. Let's get into one let's get into one other thing. There's been a lot of Cardinals audio. I'm just going to drop it in there. There's been a lot of Cardinals audio from John Mozalock, but one of the most interesting pieces of audio came oh, yesterday. Sorry, it wasn't it was Grenada, not Guyana. Grenada, My, yeah, Grenada there it is. You say Grenada, I say Grenada. Uh, so sorry about that. Guyana, Guyanese. Sure. Didn't mean to. That's, uh, you, you never got attacked by us. We wanted everyone to hear this piece of audio, though. Our friends over at Foul Territory, that's Eric Kratz and former Cardinals catcher A.J. Pruszynski, they had Ryan Helsley on, and Helsley got into what caused the odd and uh, the odd feelings in the locker room in a tough season for the St. Louis Cardinals this year. Here's Ryan Helsley on Foul Territory. I think looking at it, you know, as someone in the clubhouse, you know, a lot of guys in there probably had one of their worst seasons you know, in, in their careers. So, I mean, it was hard on everybody, not just the front office or the coaching staff, you know, it was hard on everybody, you know, showing up to the field, trying to figure out a way to win and, you know, maybe some guys having some bad attitudes. And, you know, I, honest, I honestly don't know, but I think it was just a weird vibe all year, you know, just coming in, expecting to win, win our division, you know, and rattle off a couple wins and then somehow lose four, you know, it just we found a way to lose and we could never get ourselves out of the rut, you know, and just kind of treading water all year and, you know, that was my fifth season in the big leagues, and that was the first year we missed the playoffs. So it was, it was a weird year just to, you know, just all around the clubhouse as a whole. I wonder who had a bad attitude. I was going to say, I like how you said a lot, some people had bad attitudes. People came in expecting to win, but I can't really put my finger on it. it Sounds like you put your finger on it there, buddy. Yeah. That sounds but, he, but he's talking about multiple people. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, listen, you, you the should have people. a bad attitude when you're losing. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be happy. The hell are we at? What are we excited about? So, can we agree that it was probably likely that Tyler O'Neill had a bad attitude? Yes. Okay. Would you think that the way that Wilson Contreras was treated early in the season, maybe his attitude was flagging, maybe not the best, based on the way he was treated? Yeah, I'm sure. 
Yep. I, there was obviously there was obviously some issues between yep. Wilson and some of the pitchers. Yep. Hicks was not happy with his role. No. Kerry said all the time he's he's got to be a closer, a starter, and I, he he's wasn't one either. Or the other. Yep. And yep. Assist so, Cabrera. He yeah, he couldn't find a role. So yeah, it's it amazing how some of these guys couldn't find a role and went elsewhere and found. And a I'm role. sure that there was a couple yeah. other guys yeah. that also had some frustrations. Hey, number twenty eight, right? Mm-hmm. You think number twenty eight was hurt, was no. bothered after he opted back in? Oh yes, yes. Maybe. Nobody yeah. likes to lose, especially no. guys that are competitors. Right. Like if you're really competitive and and you are not putting together a an effort that allows you to win every single night, you're gonna be you're gonna be bothered. By the way, this uh, when he says there were guys that had bad attitudes, doesn't that just invite speculation from fans? That's just logical, right? Yeah. And we're fans, so we're we're just speculating here. But of course, you, as uh, Joaquin Andujar used to say, you never know. <laughs> and maybe that's in, you know, Mozilla mentioned this was bringing in Kyle Gibson and especially Lance Lynn that you kind of and Sonny Gray, sorry, Sonny and Sonny Gray, Gray these veteran guys that also have good clubhouse presence. Mm-hmm. So maybe they realized that was a big issue last year, that things could have gotten a little bit too out of hand in the yeah. clubhouse. And a veteran presence, good guys can make a huge difference. Yes. You know what else makes a huge difference? Talent. Winning. Winning. Mm-hmm. Winning is a cure. Talent. To win. That makes a difference. Yep. <laughs> Using that talent better. to win, yes. Yeah. Uh, great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocky. Welcome back, sir. Uh, good to be back, by the way. We, oh, we, we're we not going to have the Sounders at the end of the show. Sorry. Just oh. want to let everybody okay. know. Thank you. Uh, we, Thanks, we can still, we'll, we'll make them up. We there can do go. this. We there are radio oh, yeah, pros. Okay, we got this. We got this. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? <laughs> Show us your face! Show us your face! How about that? How about, How about that? that? How about that? How about that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. CD. Okay. Show us your face! Hey, you want to see your face? face. There you Who go. said that? You want to see my face? There we go. There we go. Uh, and we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up. And then BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, and then the Fast Lane from 2 to 6. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a wonderful day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.